It's time for Mac Break Weekly. Alex, Andy, and Mr. Snell are here. We have lots to talk about. A couple of big anniversaries. Keynote was announced on this day 20 years ago. So was Safari. And, of course, it's the anniversary of the announcement in 2007, 16 years ago, of the iPhone. We'll talk a little bit about the good old days and why Apple doesn't have its own expo these days. Also, some kind of bad news from Mark Gurman. Well, good news if you like ARV, or bad news if you want to get a Mac or an iPad. And we're going to talk about Apple leaving Broadcom and Qualcomm trying to make their own chips. It's all coming up next on Mac Break Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Mac Break Weekly, episode 852, recorded Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. Lumberjacks in love. This episode of Mac Break Weekly is brought to you by ZocDoc. When you're not feeling your best and just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MacBreak and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. Thanks for listening to this show as an ad-supported network. We are always looking for new partners with products and services that will benefit our qualified audience. Are you ready to grow your business? Reach out to advertise at twit.tv and launch your campaign now. It's time for Mac Break Weekly from the beautiful Twit Studios, brought to you by ACI Learning and IT Pro. Hello, everybody. I'm Leo Laporte, and it's a beautiful day for baseball. No, it is not. Uh, Jason Snell will confirm that from SixColors.com. Are you flooded? I'm not, but it's definitely my lawn is very well watered. Yeah. <laughs> you have a lawn, which is impressive. Yeah. It's a small one just in the back. We we ripped out our lawn in the front of the house, but there's a little tiny one, and it is uh, uh, hydroponic right now. Yeah. <laughs> Floating. Floating. It's been, we've had uh, three weeks pretty much of nonstop rain in California, which means almost the entire state is under flood watch. I thought I might not be able to get to work, but actually they must have cleared the drains because there wasn't <laughs> we weren't we weren't blocked off of work. That's Andy Anako. He's getting rain too back east. Uh, actually, actually, we we we've we've peeked into the forties today. Woo! So this is why I'm wearing I'm wearing the short sleeves. Summertime in New England, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've it's uh, there are a lot of people in New England who are like, damn it. There there's a race in New England for some people to like. No, no, no it's December. It's only forty two. It's only thirty eight degrees. I don't need to turn on the heat for this for the for the winter yet. And so it's okay for for them to be everybody like fifty two degrees in the living room. But we're not turning on the heat yet. And the a lot of people are like, oh man, I turned on the heat. It was only, it was only like one night of eighteen degree weather. Why didn't I hold out? Ah, uh, uh, you need an eight sleep mattress pad. That's what you need. Maybe because mm-hmm. then you don't care, hot or cold. Mister Alex <laughs> Lindsay is here. Eight hello, sleep hello. is a sponsor. I shouldn't give him the free plug, but I, I <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about it because it's really nice on a cold or hot. Uh, and cold is what we got. Alex is from uh, 090.media. That's his day job. Or is it the other way around? <laughs> Office it's, hours it's still my day job. Yeah, it's my is day his job. day my job. Day and job is, and yeah, 090 yeah. is what is, what is his I do that first job. thing in the morning. It's, you do that before? Morning. Wow, you get up that early. 
Yeah, the, the show, the, our little daily show is 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. So I'm, I did it specifically because I have a day job. So I was like, I can do this if I do it first thing in the morning. And then I, then yeah. I go nice. change my shirt and go back to work. But office hours never sleeps because there are many, many people uh, yeah. and they keep it going all day and night. <laughs> it's incredible. 24-7. Yeah, the after hours and, and, and uh, office hours and all kinds of hours. Yeah, we've got uh, Renee Ritchie's going to be joining us uh, next week. Who? Be on a I don't understand that. Exactly. He, he said he couldn't do Mac Break Weekly. Now I'm starting he to. F- he, he can do. He's talking. It's as as it's ad as hoc his, as his official official position. Like he's, oh, I you see. Know, talking about it's about creation. So, uh, okay, he can do. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah. Yeah, he's not doing. We had him on Twitter. He can do some. I think he can do shows once in a while. He just can't be a. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm wondering if like that now that, that enough time has passed that he feels as though he's made himself indispensable to the organization that like, no, they're not going to fire me over that. I can do whatever I want. Let's, I, let's start. Let's start testing the Let's start testing you know that, the, you know the, the electrified fence for weaknesses. The uh, example would be Matt Cutts, who worked at Google. And because he was employee 10 at Google, <laughs> he, he could do whatever the hell he wanted. But it did take him a few years to get to that stage. Yeah. And I will say that I, I interact with, um, you know, I interact with Renee a lot, you know, related to his position. Oh, I, Renee. I would interact with him. I mean, his, what he's doing at YouTube yeah. is just yeah. really, really He's great. exactly the right guy he's just the person. for yeah. that. Yeah. Because um, he's so caring, right? Um, he is, and he understands the issues, and he, and he certainly really knows through them, and, yeah. and he really is, is and, and there's just, the, the, the whole team there at YouTube is very responsive. I'd be less caring. I might know the information. <laughs> Just like, but I say, Logan problem. Paul, get the hell out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Renee Renee has one of those skills that is all too rare, where he just has this gift for forming connections with people. It's amazing that yeah. so and and basically creating communities. I think it's one of the reasons why he had so much so much success with Apple. I think it's why he had uh, he basically by uh, YouTube found him and why they basically started having these conversations about hey maybe Renee would be useful to us. It's not it's not con- it's not making contact. It's not networking. It's just that, hey, you're an interesting person. Let's talk. I want to know about you. I want to know what you do. And I want to, you know, and so this is this is who he is. So, again, as a community organizer, he would be a, he's an exceptionally good, a good person. I hear at the uh, Apple campus, they have a nickname for the iPhone, the gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> uh, for us here at MacBreak Weekly, the iPhone is the gift that just keeps on giving because twice a year we get a story about the anniversary <laughs> of <Yep>. the iPhone. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> uh, the iPhone was announced at Macworld Expo on January. What was the day? January 9th, maybe? January 9th. It yeah, was, it it was like around this time. Yeah. <laughs> 50, because this is the 16 anniversary. 16 years yes. ago. <laughs> 16 years ago. Wow. Yep. Time flies when you're uh, making billions of dollars on yeah. iPhones. On iPhones. Well, and I just <laughs> and remember else. the whole the whole build up towards it of you know. Oh yeah, um, you were on the show at the time at MacBreak Weekly. It was you, Merlin Mann, uh, I think Scott, Scott Bourne. and I were both both of us. Scott and I were very bullish. Like we were like not Scott buying another trio, was, not doing. Scott the said it's gonna be the iPhone. Remember, we didn't even know the name. Scott said it's yeah. gonna be the iPhone. It's gonna come out at MacWorld Expo. Steve's gonna announce it, and I'm gonna get a vest. Oh no, I think it was Merlin said you're gonna get a vest made out of iPhones, aren't you? And Scott said I absolutely am. And in fact, it was the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle the next day in June when the iPhone finally came out. It was Scott Bourne coming out of the Apple Store with iPhone number one in San Francisco. So yeah. he was very devoted to the. Uh, the well, and I, yeah. you know what? He was right. The first iPhone, not that impressive in some ways. 
in most ways. Yeah. yeah. It was it was it was a 2G phone in a 3G world. It didn't run apps in a world where everything else ran apps. Uh, it was incompatible with a whole bunch of stuff. It didn't even have cut, copy and paste, for God's sake, uh, which is, again, we, for, we forget that we think about the after 16 years, we think about the iPhone revolution and we think about. Uh, we imagine that before then, everybody was like, uh, had a, like a, this basket phone. We have to turn a crank in order to turn the generator to make a mobile call. When actually, in terms of basic features, they were all already there on multiple platforms. Uh, and it was, it is a testament to how well Apple decided to basically Take a turn, uh, take a phone that's inspired by iPod with Apple design language and also powered by famously everything that every engineer at Apple hated about every smartphone that they'd used before then to how well they packaged all this together. It took like two or three revisions before it really caught up to a Windows phone or to a BlackBerry. The announcement slowly migrated to later and later in the year. Now they're in uh, September. The reason it was in January. Well, first of all, it was because MacWorld Expo still existed. Yep. Yep. That was it. Was the it was the MacWorld Expo keynote? Yeah. Yep. So that was that was really. And every year knew. it was that way. That was yep. the place for Apple to address the faithful. I think. And it was fun. Yeah. It was a lot. It was always what I don't know how many that auditorium holds, but thousands. About three thousand. Yeah. About three thousand. Six thousand in the in 6, the Moscone. When it, when it depended on where they were doing it because right. that keynote oftentimes that sometimes it happened over uh, next door to the at the. Um, well, it was it was generally yeah. either in Moscone or Moscone West. Your Buena was never for MacWorld Expo. That was for right. separate Apple events. It was Mo- oh, they right. were in they you're were right. in the main Moscone, mm-hmm. and then eventually they opened the new Moscone West, and they that was a preferred. And they had WWDC there for many years, so they the Apple really liked that venue and decided to use it for their own events too. But Herba it was always down the, there on uh, Howard Street. Herba Buenas where the iPad was announced uh, some years later. Yeah, but, smaller yeah. theater that they could use for some and, and, and for what, and for people who aren't familiar with those venues, we're talking about like Moscow, and we're talking about an Expo Hall, which is all flat, no raked seats. Herba Buena, which is a conventional theater, so it had an auditorium style seating, so everybody could see great acoustics. So when you had foo- <laughs> the difference between like Foo Fighters at Yerba Buena versus like Tony Bennett at Moscone was very, very, a very, very different experience. You were basically watching them on TV. Sure. Yeah. 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 It was a, a lecture hall, a, 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 a swollen hotel ballroom. It was flat, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and, uh, and, but, uh, you know, it's funny. There's also an anniversary of uh, Safari. We'll talk about that in a bit. And Don Melton says, and I was surprised to hear this very, it was hard to get tickets to the keynotes. Uh, I thought, oh gosh, the whole team, gets to go because there's a lot more room and when you have 3,000 seats but still there were so many people who yeah. wanted to see uh, these these uh, these and, keynotes and that was really the last time when Macworld Expo went away it was really the last time that the general public had a chance to go to an Apple event yeah. because now yeah. you either have to be a developer and win a lottery or you are a media member or a VIP invited but Macworld Expo some percentage of those seats were reserved for the people who waited in line who bought the pass and would go in and and you just got to see Steve Jobs unveil the iPhone and that doesn't happen anymore I mean, Apple didn't like Macworld Expo for lots of reasons as a former <laughs> Macworld employee I think that they hated the idea that somebody else was running a whole business based on the star power of Apple's announcements uh, that killed them. Uh, Steve Jobs just absolutely despised that. And they hated that the date was set a year in advance and they had Mm -hmm. to have products on that date. And it drove a lot of 
uh, of development at Apple, a lot of working over the holidays, a lot of frustration that they they had to be ready on keynote day. Uh, whereas now Apple calls an event whenever they want to, and that's a really totally different thing. So so they they disliked it, but the, you know it was also magical in the sense that it was not speaking like people talk about WWDC keynotes and they they're like oh speaking to adoring masses Tim Cook. It's like well they're not adoring masses they're adoring but they're also paid. Apple developers whose livelihood is based on developing software for Apple's platforms. Macworld Expo was different. Those were the fans. That was a fan audience, and that has been lost. They don't they do not do that anymore. It was so exciting. So many people were there. I mean, people talk now about CES, and but it was kind of like CES, but it was all Apple people. First, yeah, you'd see always the, happened. You'd see the beautiful right after, jukebox right Marriott, and you'd, come, during. <laughs> and you'd come down and... And there's the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, and there's the beautiful Moscone North, and then of course the Moscone West. This is where those keynotes ended up being. We can walk inside. Well, I don't want to have to start at the Golden Gate Bridge. Never mind. <laughs> forget I forget I said that. Let's just let's just walk inside here. The beautiful Moscone, but uh, there, yeah. <laughs> The, oh, the, remember this? Remember going in the doors oh, yeah. here? Yeah, lining up. This is where you'd line up on uh, Howard Street. Yeah, and Getting. for years after, that was also the WWDC venue. So it definitely was a, a place Apple was really comfortable with. I remember meeting you for there. the first time, Andy Anako. You were going up the stairs right here on the escalator at Moscone West, and I saw the fedora retreating, and I, <laughs> I ran after you. I chased the fedora and uh, and uh, found uh, Andy Anako, and I said, would you like to be, would you like to be on MacBreak Weekly? And uh, the rest is uh, history. Absolutely, yeah. no, that, I, I, I do remember that. It's, it's like, it's, the, see, the other the other thing that we miss out on is that this is it was sort of a, a, a gathering of peoples, so that this is where like a lot of that stuff sort of. Here I am of, going into looking happened. looking for Andy. There he is. He's going up the escalators. Just imagine that. <laughs> Get him. Go go. Come on, Andy. Come on. And this would be jammed with Apple people. Yep. yep. Uh, Google had Google I/O there for a while. Um, this was this was really uh, I kind of miss those days. When did that yeah. end? Were you still there, Jason? When Mac uh, World Expo? Oh yeah, 2013. I want to say maybe 2014 was the last. I was still there at yeah. the. It was the it was the end of Mac World Expo. They they tried to soldier on for a few years without Apple, but really, IDG uh, couldn't there was, do it. That's they I'm couldn't sorry. They let couldn't the air out of it. Yeah. yeah, they couldn't do it. Yeah. Andy's yeah. right though. This was a. Um, I wrote a piece about this for iMore a while ago. That the, the where does the community gather? And after Mac World Expo, honestly, WWDC became the place where community gathered. But of course, we've kind of lost that now too. So there isn't yeah. a place for. People in the community to physically gather where even if you didn't go to the show at WWDC, people would still like at Macworld Expo kind of be there and there'd be parties and there'd be gatherings outside. And it was really uh, a unique kind of thing that has been lost, basically, because let's, uh, uh, there's no in-person event like that. Let's anymore. go on in. Steve Job is waiting <laughs> For us, Steve Jobs is uh, waiting Steve's for up us. on three. Oh, Steve's up yeah. Oh, oh this is the exhibit hall. Oh, I went the wrong yeah. way. How many times have you done that at Mac? Yeah. Are, we playing, are, we play, are we playing Duke Nukem? I already went up one flight. This is what happens when the place is empty for a long time. Someone can spend a lot of time mapping it out. Yeah, you can go, you can go in the <laughs> back and, uh, and uh, there's the Macworld stage and the Macworld editors are... are you oh yeah, you probably have. Crowds. I wonder if you have uh, kind of dystopian memories of this a little PTSD from. Oh all this. man, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, 
it was uh, always that the cycle of it for Apple people. I think the cycle was it was it was over the holidays for the press. It was always like after like and CES, it's still like this, which is New Year's is great. But then you're into the grinder immediately, right? right? Whether it's CES or Macworld Expo or both. I mean, my poor pal, Dan Morin, what, where was he 16 years ago? He was at CES. We sent him to CES when the iPhone was announced. Oh, guy. Uh, I remember that like, was it, awful to have to make that Hobbs, Hobbsian choice. Between yeah, so it was. Yeah, so I don't oh, oh, miss the days. Sal Segoyan uh, is about was, to take the stage and do an yeah, automator demo here. Oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> These were fun. These were really this, this is this is why neural radiance fields were invented for exact excite, <laughs> exciting like faux drone shots exactly like this. <laughs> By the way, the ceiling height in Moscone West second floor room 2000 26 feet. Just in case you're in case you're planning to bring in a very big uh, demo. Yeah, and, it was, is, and it was always a walkthrough that okay. Moscone does, I guess, so you can kind of get ready for your uh, yeah. your show, yeah. your event. We your always event wanted here. to do we always wanted to do these, and we never had uh, the time. There's so many shows. I'm, I'm sure that this was done during um, with COVID money. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you're right. Yeah. Like, like this is like what you do when you have money to and but you can't do events. Is yeah. you, something that really gives you and it's it's There's really no good it's, it really helps you figure it's stuff very out good. <laughs> accurate reflection of the last couple of years of macworld expo actually yeah, that's there what it looked exactly. like i think that's when they shot this yeah and uh, very little very few lines i honestly think that apple kind of blew it that there really should be still even today when it is a much more mass appeal product and many many more people the core hardcore fans that you would see there was a party, there were there was a band, right? A Macworld Expo band. Yep, Paul uh, Kent and this. We used, uh, we used to put together like with Chris Chris Breen and, and other people who yeah. were had, 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 had secret, secret, uh, but, 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 Mac journalists who had secret musical talents that mm-hmm. they would. There was so many Andy, would be, Andy would have his like ukulele and play with them a little it was, bit too. It I was remember such, that. It, it, Chris, 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 need... Chris Bean used to talk me into doing songs, into singing songs that I had no business singing, and I would spend like a month having to rehearse them <laughs> because it's like I know I know you want to hear me say this, but this is so out of my is, league. Is that it's, how you know because... uh, Prince's Kiss so very well? Is from those days? Uh, no, that, that, that's that. By the way, was my in... pitch tapes to him. It's like, please let me. I got the Tom Jones shirt. I'll get my, I'll get my hair permed and everything. That was in our uh, best of Andy. I just want you to know. <laughs> of course it was. Damn. Of course, yes. uh, of course. Yeah, you're right though, uh, Leo. Like Disney has D23, which is like a fan event where they make announcements and stuff, and they really kind of drink in the fact that there are hardcore fans who love Disney and all of Disney's products, and they use it as a marketing tool. It's also a money making event. And I've had that same thought, which is, I know it maybe doesn't feel like Apple, although Apple is very different now with all of its services and all its TV and movies and all that. It is like they are kind of leaving something on the table by not doing their own yeah. fan event. But I feel like they they think it's beneath them. Oh, but I, Disney doesn't. Yeah, I kind of I kind of think it is. Well, <laughs> not, nothing's beneath Disney. You've seen their program. No, but, it's, no it's I think Disney is but, the, the, the exemplar of how you should... Uh, honor a fan base. Yeah. Um, I but, think but also, that's exactly okay, what they but, should but also, be doing. You know, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with D23 because it takes something that is uh, that I think that is kind of honest, which is, hey, we are an independent organization of fans. We want to put on a fan con. And basically it's run by the fans. It's done to the fans, uh, done with the fans. Whereas, hey, we're trying to or, we're trying to monetize and organize our fandom and make sure that we're, we can market to them in the most direct and efficient way possible. And if Apple were to do that, I think it would be fun. But 
it would already. I think there's way too much fandom going on where people are just Apple. You are you are. Let me get this straight. You are fans of a two trillion dollar company that has an immense amount of power in this world. And but but they and are they, fans. They are fans. Yeah, I mean, it's I just know. a cynic be, in you. Don't be fans. Of, don't, there no, are. I, I'm, do you I'm, know I'm, how many I'm, Disney podcasts there are in the world? But they're they're entertainment company. They're not but they're I, not building technology that's that's for consumers. I just think I just think that it it helps it it helps a company like Apple to like not stay on this on the on the right path. That's what I, I'm saying. I, I, I Ex- think except they also have movies and TV shows now, right? Like okay. except okay, except you could it's Ted La- Ted Lasso Fest and Severance Con and whatever else, but I mean and, and Mythic Quest Con, like they have all of those <laughs> too. So it, it's getting I'm, I agree with you except it's getting real blurry. So, these so, days. so we we got cosplay as the Aqua Aqua interface is that it? All, I, 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 I call like like well, big and big inflatable I, no, like big inflatable blue buttons. Wouldn't you go <laughs> if there were a Macworld Expo coming up? Yeah. Week. Well, and I think the question they, is, do we were, need? Go ahead. Go ahead. I if think, they were, if they were, I'm sorry. If, if they were, if they were Macworld Expo, kind of like the old one, where uh, you go to the back of the room and there are these all these kiosks with independent developers who want to show you what they've been yeah. working on and they've been very proud of, learning learning about things I didn't learn about before, and in a, in a place where they know that they're going to be talking to fans. Uh, I mean, a lot of a and lot of Apple the would why, speak to you, and the Apple team would, you know, be there. And I, I just think it. Mm. That's a, I, I the, maybe the problem with, is it's too big. Is it just too big now that you can't do it? It's so many people, a million people would show up and. Well, I mean, you just say, hey, this is how many we can fit. Uh, <laughs> There's yeah. only so many tickets. And then the, you know, I think that, uh, I think that you could fill up Moscone with a huge expo. I don't know if you need the sessions anymore. You know, like I don't, you know, right. I think you could, you could get rid yeah. of the sessions and put those all in video and have some, but you could have some great Q and A's. Like what like does Comic-Con do there. though? Comic-Con has panels where you yeah, meet. Well, D- and D23 has panels where they yeah. bring out the stars of their shows mm-hmm. and all of that. It's not, it's not educational, right? Like that, that is a thing that Macworld Expo did honestly to sell a more expensive pass that had education in it. That was the, mm-hmm. the, the, right. the plan there, but the, you know, they do get yeah, Comic-Con and D23 and all of that, like, I, I mean, I, I think it's actually quite telling that Disney, like Apple, rather than just going to Comic Con, has its own event that it, they, they do themselves. Well, yeah, they, can, they control. control right? they, yeah. they, they get they get every they get every dollar they can get from it. Why? Why are people like? You know, yeah, ex- exactly. Why? Why are we? Why are we allowing people to make money off of conventions where people come up dressed as Iron Man? If people, we should have our own convention where people come dressed as Iron Man. Bingo. What, 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 what if, what, what, how about this? What if we had something that was more like a music festival where there was a main stage where Apple, uh, Apple uses its, its contacts within the music industry to have really good acts like for two days. Next to that is a, is like a show pavilion that has a lot of like what we want to keep uh, from the old Mac world and also for the fandom stuff and also for Apple to be able to say, Hey, we want to, I'm, I'm this engineer and I've <laughs> behind the scenes, I've been cleared to talk about the following 19 things and not 20 of them, but hey, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to you about how what it was like to try to develop uh, the AirPods because a lot of those stories are getting lost, and that's the sort of fandom stories that I think would be very, very positive as opposed to making people into more obedient and loyal customers, which is the only thing that I fear about that kind of a fandom thing with D23 and an Apple show. What you could do is it, it, MacFest. We should start it. We're all going to start MacFest. We'll call but Paul no, Kent. We'll, as Mac Paul Fest. Kent and Macworld learned, without Apple... It's not the same. Um, it, it it was a much smaller it was a much smaller apple than it is now. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I think that I think that the hard part is is that the sessions are, are really painful to support. You know, I, I've supported a lot of sessions in Moscone from a lot of different companies, and you know, just that's a that's a huge cost, um, a, a big overhead where you could have an expo that is much more efficient. 
um, and then do other things as, as a, and, and again, you can command a, a bigger, if you're doing concerts and stuff like that, you can make it a hundred dollar ticket, hundred dollar ticket. But the other, the other dose of reality is that, I mean, a lot of us, we, everyone in this conversation knows what Apple was, was like, not only during the second time they were doomed or the first time they were doomed when it really was a community where if you, if you used a Mac, you, if you knew that some, if you met somebody and all you knew is that they, they used a Mac, you knew that we have some sort of intersection of personality of likes and dislikes and tastes. It wasn't really a mainstream thing by any means whatsoever. You're actually swimming against the tide in order to do it. And that created this sort of community of you know a fellowship whereas there's apple is so successful right now that i'm not saying that there is none, none of that today but there are a great many people that buy an iphone because it is their phone and they're not fans of it they, it's, they, it's just it's just the device that they like they don't if they said and if they if you prov- went up to them saying hey for 50 dollars you can spend a weekend uh here uh even in your home in your own town on, on an expo a, a, a fan a fan fest for apple they said well why but why, why, why would i want to do that when am i, I going to do go a fan expo for my the people who made my refrigerator it's like i, I don't care I don't. I don't think it's, I don't think it's to help Apple. I think it's to help Apple's ecosystem. So, so the thing is all those developers and all the manufacturers and all the, if I knew that I could have a CES that was only for, for Apple products, I'd totally be there, especially in San Francisco. Like, like if I just knew that I didn't have to do all the walking from the South Hall, I mean, from the South Hall to the North Hall to the Central (laughs) Hall. And it was just, it was like, it was just one big hall and it was just Apple products. Uh, there's a lot of people that would show up and there's a lot of press that would show up for that because it's a big, it's a big market. And, and we could basically just have the non everything else. <laughs> and you sign me up for Whirlpool World 23. <laughs> We're going to talk about the ice trays. We're going to talk about the crisper. There's going to be a session about where you slide the moisture controller. We've done, you've seen the side by side washer dryer. I mean, you've seen the one on top of the other. Now we have a new innovation. They go diagonally. And we're going to dishwashing demos. It's like, where do you put the plates? Where do you put the bowls so that the bowls get cleaned? And is, it's going to be, and plus the fan part oh, where there's there cosplay. There should be a whole panel on forks Everyone up or Amanda. forks Who is down. Amanda? Like they need a whole panel on that, and we can have a debate well, and a man. forum. The Maytag yeah, repairman is going to come in, and he's going to be mobbed. He's yeah, going to be mobbed. Yeah, he's a star. Um, Jesse, Jesse White cosplay. I'm so totally into that. And I can say AI driven uh, water dispensers. That's all. I mean AI. You know AI driven. Yeah, you know, that's everywhere. actually t- yeah. actually that's what Ouch. CES was supposed to be, right? <laughs> Originally. Can I propose? I, I will propose my first panel. How Chat GPT is poised to disrupt, uh, to dis- disrupt pre-soak cycles. I, I do have to point out, and we covered it on Tuesday on a Sunday on Twit. There were a lot of home appliances mentioned yes. at CES this year. At and, CES, and we absolutely. talked about a, a oh, yeah. GE monogram mixer. We talked about new Moen faucets. We talked about new poo-poo sensing toilets from uh, Kohler. I mean. You know, you saw the the pee thing that you pee on in your. T- I mean, this was all about CES. Was very much about home appliances. Uh, we need a Mac World now. Expo, but I don't. I still think without Apple and a big key, the keynote's the draw. Yeah, and yeah. honestly, uh, without Steve Jobs, maybe there's there's no point in uh, in doing it. It might be that they just thought, well, we yeah. don't we don't want to make Tim. Suffer with a five-person audience or something. I don't but know. Al- Alex, 
Actually, I, I think People someone, Alex, to. I think I, I think someone like you actually could do something legitimately, sincerely great. Where if we don't, we, I, I don't think that getting people into a, into a room together to, again to celebrate the two trillion dollar company is, is a good idea. But like, what if they said, you know what, we're going to be doing a, a two a two day streaming fest of uh, of basically people who love Apple and developers who are really really fine tuned and do great things go. for about Apple. And it, there would be people who'd be watching this the live stream live. And there would be people who'd be looking at the content weeks later. But cura- a curated two two-day panel schedule of discussions and demos of really weird and wonderful things that that's can only be done by idea. Apple developers. We, yeah, and fans. that's an interesting idea. We've, we've been coaxing towards that during WWDC. So <laughs> we've had a couple of sessions, you know, that we do, that we do a little coverage and first it was one and then it was two and then it's, so we've, we've definitely been yeah. thinking about you def- using you WWDC a, as. You had an unconference right next to it. You're right. I remember. Yeah. yeah. And, and we have, yeah. and what well, we have it now, we do it every year now with, with, you know, we have. With uh, NAB you know, and other conferences. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, but I think that we're, I mean, I'm definitely looking at how do we do content uh, adjacent to yeah. conferences. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of interest. We're, and so we're, we'll probably, the, our next larger one will probably be at NAB. But then WWDC is one we do every year where we have, we bring developers in and talk about it. But what I was already scribbling notes down while Andy was talking <laughs> of going, Round panels of <laughs> of previous developers and and folks and once they're out uh, of the um, so there's really differing differing constituencies for this a lot of you know when people say oh I'm glad I'm going to CES it's not because they can't wait to see the walking refrigerator <laughs> it's because they want to see their friends right it's about social and so there's definitely that contingency the the, the contingent that wants to see you know it, it was it, yeah. it was for many years the gathering of the tribe and you would get to see all the people and yeah. you know you'd see Chris Breen on his on his keyboard and stuff and then there's yeah. another constituency of people like Alex Lindsay who want to meet the developers look at what's coming out and right. you know that's a big constituency I'm just thinking that really what app the the bet that Apple's missing is is not necessarily any of that it's just that that's how you spin up a fan base into absolute ardor. That's the that's how you get people storming the castle. <laughs> Maybe Apple doesn't want to do that anymore. Have Come fun. to think of it. Wait a minute. Give now, us our headphones, Jack. Get back. I, Give us our headphones, Jack. Back. In, in fact, the way that, that that you see Apple in modern context has reacted most to the fact that they have this huge audience and this huge audience contains a subset that are diehard fans. The only real uh, I, I'd say example of them catering to that is self-serving too. And it's the Apple Park Visitor Center where they built an mm, Apple store yeah. with that That's observation smart. lounge and the VR thing across the street from Apple Park. And the reason they did it is to give fans a place they could go to. Yeah, otherwise they'd be hanging be on outside the other the side gate. of the right. security yeah. curtain. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> right. Going, is Steve in there? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not. I mean, that would be weird, right? Like, that would they be. They could have had a, like Lennon's tomb. They could have had a little. Yeah, right. Is he Steve in there? and people. I mean, he is in there in a way, but yeah. uh, not that way. Not so, that, yeah. yeah, but it's funny because that was built i mean it was built to know that the people would come but it was also built to keep them at arm's length and i think Absolutely. that's a very apple approach to the situation yeah. and look at you know the uprisings they ignored us on the butterfly keyboard forever and ever and now they're by the way the lawsuit class you get your class your class action postcard in the lawsuit you get up to 350 dollars if you i don't remember bringing in a butterfly keyboard for repair but did we john no because you have to have brought it in for repair, but you can get up to three hundred fifty bucks back. You can get some money mm-hmm. back. So look for your postcard if you did. Yeah. Uh, so, but they ignore. Okay. I think they ignored us for a long time on that. Remember Steve Jobs, and this was still in the MacWorld Expo time. His reaction to the iPhone 4S problem is you're holding it wrong. I mean, I yeah. think there is this prickliness inside of Apple where they, you know, 
We do want to keep them a little bit at arm's length. Let's put them in the visitor center far, far away from yeah. us. Maybe yeah. that's the modern times in the size of the company. Well, also, also, yeah, and also, it's, it's no, it's no accident that they put their uh, the the venue in which they where they uh, where they hold the press events are also outside the security curtain, so that yeah. which which is ter- which I is terribly convenient. It's, it's, no, it's, it, it makes that. sense, yeah. but also, but also, it's different from it's it's different from saying uh, it's if this is exactly the the facility they wanted to build and it really is very very well built i mean it's that i i don't necessarily like if i'm swing if i'm a normal person just swinging through cupertino i wouldn't really want to like do the google thing where hey it's technically a public street i can there's nothing stopping me from driving my car like around this campus but i but hey if there's if there's a if i know there's a actually this is a i think this is an exclusive i happen to be wearing wearing like an exclusive a, a pen that you can only get like at the old like Ooh, uh, uh at the old Apple. like one infinite loop right yeah, exactly right. It's kind, of, it's kind of nice to have that little souvenir, that special T-shirt you could only get at this one place. So, yeah, pe- people go away happy. Apple goes away without having been disrupted. There is something. Yeah, and we keep it, that, that one infinite loop can- store, that was on the actual campus. And you parked in an yeah. actual campus parking lot yeah. and walked into a building that was the building that a lot of executives were yeah. also in. And I think that they regretted that over time and clearly we see that now they've built their own little fortress when they built the ring campus there was a lot of talk about the semiotics of a campus that faces inward not outward and is really a a a wall to the outside world a barrier to the outside world yeah yep i mean it it looks looks beautiful the theater's outside of it right yeah well that's where we want to keep the journalists is outside the ring You know, yeah. there's the center, yeah. you know, ring that we'd only, you got to be very yeah. special to get in there. Although people face out from that building too. I mean, it does yeah, face both exactly. ways, but the whole thing is built in a way that you're seeing terrain and then the hills in the background and not really seeing like the neighborhoods of the area. So it is exactly. a, a, there's, there's a, a little message. That, you know, unconscious perhaps, but there's a little message there, I think. I, I mean, I, remember I, Steve I lived on a public street without barriers, without gates, without security. I mean, he was really out there. So I don't know if it's Steve Jobs thinking, or maybe it's his later thinking. Oh, he designed it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he did design it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he and yeah, it was Johnny I mean, had something to do with yeah. it too, and I I yeah. can imagine yeah. Johnny saying, "Let's I let's build a perfect circle, and yes. and no one can get in." Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I, I always thought that was a, a a missed opportunity. I mean, they're they're building a corporate campus that has to be a functional part of the company. So they're not they're not basically trying to win a design competition. Like Frank Lloyd Wright was famous for designing beautiful groundbreaking structures that fall apart almost immediately with, le- with leaking roofs. I mean, it's not that they're supposed to do that, but I thought it was disappointing that they've just plopped this thing that offers no visual interest whatsoever to people who do not work for Apple. If you're driving past it, it's just this big hulking thing that's sort of by the highway whereas they could have built something that was uh that, that was uh part of a could have been part of the signature cupertino landscape even if you don't work for apple here's a beautiful piece of architectural art that you that you that you drive past on your way home or on your way off to work well, every day roughly the same time apple was building that uh, amazon built its campus in seattle and it's exactly that it's a it's part yeah. of the community uh and perhaps you know the facebook uh, campus and the google campus down in mountain view same thing where they really were much more open yeah. anyway that's that, a long that way to go right. that's on a long a, story on a yeah. 16th anniversary of the <laughs> yeah state come back next june and we'll do it all over again uh exactly. this was also the anniversary of the first use of keynote and that, i think you well, have something to say about that, first, that alex I, no i don't think it was the first use it of was, keynote but it no, was no, definitely definitely 
Okay. They were dog fooding it, yeah, it in secret. That was that was one of the most that was one of the most beautiful Apple stories ever, where mm-hmm. they, they 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 announced this this amazing presentation app that is so revolutionary that it almost boggles the mind to compare it to what else, to PowerPoint or anything else that was available at the time. It was almost like, is, it, it, it was or is, is even even Sue. <laughs> and then and then to find out that oh by the way Steve Jobs has been using it as his personal presentation tool for a long long time, and I can no I, I can I can only let's imagine like all of these engineers like watching keynotes with their faces like this so knowing that steve is running with just the latest build of pre-release software and hoping to god nothing happens because if something happens guess what i'm not going to be i'm not going to be attending my 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 daughter's hockey game next week because i'm going to be in i'm going to be in apple jail working on this project for another two weeks yeah yeah it it, it's really revolutionary. I mean, yeah. keynote. I, I I talk about this in some of my talks, and it's the most important piece of visual software ever made. Like it, you know, like it's not uh, when you look at how it affects people that do teaching, how it affects. You can build entire videos. I have built like sketches of it for videos for a client, and they were like, "Yeah, that looks great." What, 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 where do you know? How do we close this up? And I'm like, "That was the preview." <laughs> like I just did that <laughs> keynote. Like I was like, "I was like, that's just the preview." Well, we're gonna do it in motion, and we're gonna make it all pretty and everything else. And, um, but, but the ability to build entire whole videos, um, uh, it has probably moved more money than any other app out there because, <laughs> you know, in most, in many, in much of Cupertino or not just Cupertino, in much of the South Bay, you know, they'd say that it's a, you, you have a deck or a demo and the deck is almost always built in Keynote. <laughs> you know, like it, <laughs> it is for a long time, uh, for many years until they, people got wind of it outside of the production area. If you gave us anything, we would turn it into keynote. So, you know, it was so much better at playing everything back, the video, the animations, the layout. And so we would, you would give us a PowerPoint. I mean, literally companies that were very tightly wound around things would give us a PowerPoint or they'd give us slides or they'd give us something else. And we would, we say, we're just going to prep it for, for broadcast. And what that meant was we're going to import it into keynote and we're going to redo everything <laughs> inside a keynote so that it'll play out correctly so that we don't have to deal with the weird things that your presentation apps do. And so, um, so for many, for at least a decade solid, there was, you know, somewhere between like, uh, 20 or 2005 and 15 or 2006 and 16, it was all keynote, you know, and it's just so much, it just ran so much better. And the little things that Apple does that makes it different are things like kerning and line spacing is much better and anti-aliasing along the edges, much better in keynote today than it is in PowerPoint. Yep. It's a super subtle thing, but it, but it just, it looks more refined. Like literally just typing words into it looks better than, than, than it does in PowerPoint. And it's, and, it, and it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. So it has that Apple, uh, you know, um, touch to it that makes it very refined, but it has so many tools that I think most people don't, you know, don't use. I was just <laughs> spent this morning, my, someone gave us a deck and my, for my, what, what my wife does. And I said, Let's fix this. <laughs> so started, so I started like going through all this stuff and make sure to do it this way. Make sure to do it that way. And I think that, but it is, it is, uh, again, it's probably the app I've used the most. I've, I use a lot of visual apps. It's the app I've used the most in the last 20 years. Is I think, the, it, you know, I think it was really instrumental in, in introducing the sort of smart guides and smart alignment. Like it, yeah. all those things where you mm-hmm. move things and it, it marks you and says, this is centered. This is aligned properly. This is aligned to this object. Yeah. It's so, it's so good. I worked in a company 
that everybody did these uh, PowerPoint presentations. And so I, I was living that double life where I had to do some things in PowerPoint and some things in <laughs> Keynote. And the ones I did in PowerPoint, every time I'd be like, I cannot believe how bad this is and that this yeah. is the standard. And Keynote was so good, like so spectacular. And it is so spectacularly yeah. good. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's one of my favorite pieces of software ever and i i don't make as many keynote presentations as i used to but boy it's yeah. it just like all the details and you could tell like it was invented in part for one user who had who sweated the details yeah. so no, it, I, that's what it does it was it was i mean i i i used to give like uh, at least a presentation a month like to a user group or to a company or, to, or or as a keynote and before keynote came along i was the person who just had uh, just a, a sheet of paper with a handwritten outline that maybe yes i worked a long time on but the idea of turning that into a slide deck was so cumbersome and such a pain in the butt, especially making changes on the fly, which is something that I I, I almost always do up until the last minute. Uh, and then having Keynote, where it totally flipped the script, where I was actually designing, planning out my ideas in Keynote, and then thinking, actually, this trans- it would be easier to make this transition to, to from this concept to another if I actually did a visual transi- transition from one to another. The idea of saying, here's where I want this thing, this object to start, here's where I want it to end, here's what I want to happen between that start and that end. And it's not, and five years ago, you would have been accused of, oh my God, you spent all your time designing this incredible piece of computer art instead of actually focusing on your ideas whereas this you know with keynote it was no i was i was give, i was rehearsing my 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 talk in the hotel room two hours earlier oh yeah i changed i changed one slide then realized that hey wouldn't it be cool if this line actually that was on the top of the, of the previous slide slid down to the bottom to basically give people a, a, an eyeball transition and that's what i did that's and, it's and, amazing and there's so many transitions i mean i i raised them a million dollars with a one keynote deck <laughs> and, and and it was and part of what made it work was that it it uh there was a whole bunch of people before me that that were all presenting to the same group and they were one one actually did it in excel which was kind of amazing that they did it but no i wouldn't recommend it um but there were a lot of powerpoints and they were all the powerpoint kind of things that you're used to death by powerpoint and then i had this super <laughs> visual one that's just like and all those transitions and all the moves and breaking, animating in, animating out. And, and I was the only one that anybody talked to at the end. And the, and, you know, and the main thing is, is that I, and I, that's when I really got the power of being able to build a good deck. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, and it does make it, you know, really fun. And I think that, you know, at 20 years old, this, this year, next year will probably be the biggest year for keynote because I think that Apple's going to release, you know, 3d support. There's 3d support in mail, in, messages in motion in final cut in the you know on the os i mean at some point we're going to be able to drop models into it and rotate them around and when that happens you know it's going to be the only app for a while that does that and it's going to be it's going to change a lot of things really fast do do you think that's an opportunity for apple to create a new style of presentation where it's not based on a slide deck it's based on here is how to create a presentation video uh, where there's no, there's not even the, uh, the well, there's not even the pretense that this is a sense of slides that you're going to be going through. This is a video you're going to be creating with talking points at, uh, during the that's middle. That's how of the I video. do it now. Like that, yeah. that's how I, I mean, I, when, when, when teachers ask me how, what, what should I learn? Should I learn iMovie or Final Cut to do movies for, for my, for my students? I'm like, keynote. <laughs> that's yeah. how you do it. And so what you do is you put all the, all those pieces in and you say export as QuickTime and you just, and you can export. Here's the tricky thing in, in keynote. You can export with alpha channels in Keynote. <laughs> so, so you can actually set it to ProRes 4444 and a- export it out with, with if you want to comp them over other things. I've, I've 
there are things that I've done in regular sales things that basically I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff in motion, but it's actually easier for me to do this six seconds in Keynote. So I'll just switch over to Keynote, build build what I wanted to do and hit export because I want some stuff to drop down or something. And the behaviors in Keynote are better than anywhere else to to do that. Um, and so I'll, I'll do something really quick in Keynote, export that as a movie, drop it into Final Cut next to a whole bunch of things with motion, you know, and, yeah. and so it's, it is, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a, and to your point, most people don't know that it is an incredible video creation tool that's already built to do all of those things. Um, but I think the next generation will be when you start seeing 3D models, yeah. you might send something to someone, publish something out of Keynote or out of Pages, and someone's going to be able to, tip, you know, tap on it and have it appear on their desk. So like, the, you know, they can just see it as an image. But if they tap on it, they're going to get to visualize it as well. And I think that, you know, I think that Apple has missed the boat, missed that boat for a decade with books. That, that what they yeah. should have done is redefined what books are instead of trying to compete with Amazon. And hopefully they're going to, this is going to be their ability to kind of come back to that. So it's, anyway, it's, it's exciting. I think it's, it's an exciting, it's been a great 20 years for me <laughs> using Keynote. And, uh, and I think that the next uh, decade is going to be pretty interesting too. 2003, it was announced. Uh, in fact, Steve has a big slide up behind him saying, built for me. <laughs> <laughs> dum, dum, dum. <laughs> built for me. It wasn't oh, and, the, and a lot. Go ahead. A lot of people say the best software development or the best product development is someone scratching a niche. And when yeah. that person happens to be the CEO of a very visual. Yeah, company, yeah no, kidding. no kidding. Uh, also announced in 2003, but was this, you think, what do you guys think? Was 2003 kind of peak Steve Jobs? Because they announced quite a bit in 2003. Mm, I think I think you can't, 2006 has to be the peak just the because iPhone. of the iPhone. Yeah. That was, for, for, I mean, any of us who were there, the glee in his eyes, the knowledge of the surprise he was, even though yeah. people knew that this was going to be an iPhone announcement, the glee that he could finally talk to 6,000, 3,000 fans about uh, about this thing that they've been working on for years and years and years, the devilish, almost impish way he's just, you know, no, I, we haven't set up a phone call with Starbucks. We're just going to call this person and they're going to, they're and this person who answers does not know they're going to be part of one of the most important, uh, important uh uh, uh, presentations in tech history. Uh, I think that that is absolutely the that's absolutely the pinnacle yeah, of, of, of Steve. 2007 just, keynote is hard to argue hard to against. beat. Yep. Yeah, we're just all yeah. lucky. Oh, that sorry, we got to see those. Uh, yeah, exactly. Keynotes. And even the 2010 keynote, the iPad for the uh, iPad too. Release. He was he was at he was at low power, but Already yeah, kind of ill. So, uh, yeah, but still, same sort of thing. Yeah, um, I'm just thinking this 2003. They announced so much stuff. So they also announced Safari, which kind of took everybody uh, off guard. Uh, when they announced Safari, Don Melton had a great post. He was, uh, was he the executive in charge? Is that uh, no? He was the developer of he's WebKit. The guy who wrote it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, All he right. and a couple of other people. Yeah, Don. Okay. He was Don, working. And I know Don a little bit. He, under he's, Scott uh, Forstall. He's retired now, but yeah, he he helped make this thing. That it's funny. I I wasn't as surprised by it. I remember the day before MacWorld Expo, we were talking about this. I was visiting with Adam Angst from Tidbits, and we were talking about it and. It was very clear that something was going to happen, and there were the rumors about the Apple web browser. And the thing that the reason it made sense to me at the time, and we got to go back, right? Like 2003, oh my God, the world was so yeah. different than it is now. But one of the big things about it was Internet Explorer was the default browser on the Mac. Right. And I, you know, my first cover story at Mac User Magazine back in 97, uh, uh, something like that, was about what the, what, bre the best browser for the Mac. 
And it, it actually, IE was the best browser. It was better than Netscape. It came in, it was fast. But by 03, it was slow and it was worse. It was slow compared to IE on Windows. And so anybody who did a Windows versus Mac comparison would fault the Mac for being bad at the internet, yes. specifically bad at web browsing. And keep in mind, you know, the iMac is out there. Apple's really trying to make a go of it. And yet one of its Achilles heels. And when we think about Apple's core philosophy, that what you don't do is let somebody else control a key part of your business. Mm. Uh, that one of the, if not the root of that is that a key part of the Mac business was the IE code base that Microsoft didn't really care about that much, and it made Apple look bad and the Mac look bad. And that's why they did Safari, is because Apple said, we have to have a good web experience, and Microsoft doesn't care. that the They like that the Mac is worse at this. And I don't think it was an active sabotage of the Mac, but the fact was that Microsoft cared very much about the Windows IE experience. And on the Mac, yeah, whatever, we'll have something there. And yet the Mac was being judged based on that. And that's why Safari came to exist. And yeah. speed was the number one priority because they did not want to look bad compared to Windows. I remember in those days we were using, I never used IE. That was awful. But we were using weird stuff like Chimera. Remember that? And ICAB. Uh, iCab. I was going to say cab, but sure. iCab. There were third-party ones. Most of them based on Gecko, the Gecko engine. Uh, in uh, was it? Moz it wasn't Firefox yet. It was something Mozilla, Mozilla, yeah. or Netscape, or something. And, uh, and Netscape, right? Netscape, yeah. And uh, th so it was there was definitely a market for third-party ones, but there wasn't a great browser. What did right. you and the I and IE was preloaded and on by That's default, right? With. So it yeah, was yeah, yeah. when you reviewed a Mac compared to a PC, That's what you, you would saw. review it based yeah. on IE, and IE wasn't yeah. at that point was just not very good no and Chrome. certainly not as good as on Windows. There was no Chrome at the time. Yeah. There was for Linux users, there was something different. Uh it came with a KDE desktop called KHTML. It was a HTML browser. <laughs> and as Melton uh, tells the story, uh Apple bravely at the time because gecko was the big dominant uh, uh engine at the time chose khtml and open source oh yeah there's camino oh i guess that camino. was camino camino, uh, yeah, yeah, camino yeah. is what i used yeah. yeah i used camino uh so people thought they that apple if they were going to do a browser would use gecko because that was dominant but no instead and actually i kind of honor them for this they looked around and found khtml and, uh, in fact, Steve said at the keynote, we based Safari on an HTML rendering engine that is open source. Um, KHTML yep. and KJS, the code inside KDE's Conqueror with a K web browser on Linux. Um, in fact, this uh, I, I, a little bit annoyed me. Don said, after the keynote was over and Safari was announced, I sent an email to the KDE team to thank them and introduce ourselves. It's like, dudes, if you're going to fork a project, I guess this is Apple secrecy, right? Uh, but if you're going to fork a project, it's kind of polite to say, hey, we're forking on it, and maybe even giving them a chance to participate. Uh, WebKit is based on that. We're still yeah. using it. Mm -hmm. so yeah, K KHTML became essentially webkit, webkit. and then and even you know even google stuff is a branch of webkit that is now gone and been its own thing so in some ways this ends up being the the uh origin of sort of modern web browsing is this moment yeah uh he talks about uh, sitting 
On the day of the actual keynote, only a few of us from the Safari team were in the audience. Employee passes are always limited at these events for obvious reasons, but we did have great seats just a few rows from the front. But he says you didn't want to be too close in case something really went wrong. Within throwing distance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently uh, that is not a good thing. Six minutes, 32 seconds. Sounds like he had a timer running. Steve <laughs> talked about Safari on stage. He says, for that time, I don't remember taking a single breath. He was just saying, stay online, stay online, stay online. But it worked flawlessly. Steve put up a big slide with one word, K-H-T-M-L, six foot high, white letters and a blue background. If you listen to that video, Don writes, I notice that no one applauds. Why? I'm guessing confusion and complete lack of recognition. What you can't hear also on the video is someone about 15 to 20 rows behind where we were sitting, obviously expecting the word gecko up there instead of K-H-T-M-L, shout at what seemed like the top of his lungs, what the F? <laughs> Uh, that's great. Yeah, you you know Don, huh? That's yeah. Cool. He does some incomparable podcasts. In fact, now I thought so. so. Uh, yeah, he is a he's a cranky retired man who is a lot of fun to talk to and swears a lot. So we have to bleep him. But uh, he's a s- incredibly smart guy, and I, I think relieved to be retired. But he says, uh, uh, yeah, he was a, present uh, at the beginning. He says he's a recovering programmer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's about about it. Great post yep. at donmelton dot com if you want to read about the first day of Safari. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, he said, uh, I'm, I'm looking at right now, the, the uh, DonMelton.com, the safaris released to the world. <laughs> There's nothing that can fill your underwear faster than seeing your product fail during a Steve Jobs demo. <laughs> uh, so there, I think we'd all agree this was the right thing to do. Safari lives today, 20 years later, uh, is still a very fast, very co- uh, accomplished web browser. I'm a little, I'm, I'm glad Safari exists because Chrome and Chromium and its derivatives are so dominant that it's becoming a monoculture. I use Firefox almost entirely for that reason, just to support a different engine. And Safari is is probably, uh, thanks to the iPhone, uh, right up there with Chrome as most used uh, browser. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a minority, but it's an important minority. Yeah. Um, Apple's Apple's only challenge, though, is that they have to make sure that whatever uh, they, they do have to address the fact that Chrome is the default standard, not not by any standards community, but just simply by popularity. And so if if Google decides to bless a certain standard, Apple has to put away their opinion of what that standard is and ask themselves, do we want Safari users on iPhones and Macs to have less usability or less compatibility with web uh, with web apps? Or are we willing to st- do we want to stick our stick our heels in and say, no, we're not supporting this or right. for whatever reason? And the flip side of that is that web developers have to decide, do I want to uh, knock iPhones out of my user right. base? And I, they don't. So it's a it's a it's a push and pull. I mean, as a user of. I want to use these um, WebRTC-based like podcasting tools like Zencaster, and they have a whole bunch of little WebRTC and codecs and all this technical stuff works great on Chrome, and it still doesn't work on Safari. Like five years <laughs> later, Apple's just like, we're not interested in that. And that's frustrating, right? Like it, it, is, uh, it is a challenge, but Apple has more upper hand than they did back in the day when IE was so dominant. And, and that's, yeah. well, that's I- a good, it's a good thing. And also the open source thing is a huge thing, right? Like I think Apple had the courage to take KDE and use KHTML as the basis for WebKit 
in part because they had had such success culturally with Darwin setting up uh, Mac OS X based on an open source framework that they thought, well, you know, we could do this. And this was at a time when, like, for IE especially, like, that was the crown jewels. That was stuff that you kept in a vault somewhere. And mm-hmm. so for them to pick up an open source project and say, this is the most expedient way for us to get a fast browser and it's okay, we'll make contributions to the community. And it worked, and they have, and WebKit is richer and the web is richer for it. I'm still yeah, a little unhappy. Apple doesn't support progressive web apps as much as it should, and that's really holding it back because Chrome and Firefox, actually Firefox also backed down on progressive web apps, so I can blame them both. Um, I had high hopes for that, but that was a Microsoft-Google initiative. Obviously, Apple's less interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe uh, that that was Apple's backdoor way of surviving uh, the crackdown on app stores is by saying, well, you can always make a PWF progressive web app and, and, and load that on the iPhone, much like in the earliest days of the iPhone. <laughs> um, but they don't seem to really uh, like that much. Nevertheless, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good browser, right? You got, who uses Safari here? Oh yeah, I do. Not as my primary. I, I use it. I, I don't, I, I have to admit that I, I use it primarily until I was doing a bunch of stuff on, with YouTube and so and so forth. And, <laughs> yeah, and everything that Google Chrome, does, right? yeah. of course, they test, they test everything first on Chrome. So yeah. if you wanted, you, we needed to make sure everything was doing there. So I got into the culture of doing it that way. Um, I have to admit that with the whole LastPass thing, I'm kind of in this quandary of do I use, I'm kind of thinking of, you know, moving away from LastPass, obviously. And, but it's a lot. I mean, I've 10 years of using it. The, um, one of the things I have been thinking about is whether, given that I don't really have a lot of PCs, do I need a, a password manager that isn't just the Apple? Apple's is know. very good. A lot of people. Very good. In fact, I, I got to do is switch over to Safari. On uh, Sunday, <laughs> on Ask the Tech Guys, uh, we talked about leaving LastPass. Steve did a whole show on it last Tuesday as well. He'll talk more about it this week. Um, you know, his recommendation was, yeah, it's time to get off LastPass. So we showed a little bit and talked a little bit about it. But I got a number of emails from people saying, well, can I use... Uh, the Chrome browser's uh, password store, which syncs, you can actually, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you can use Apple's keychain. It's quite good. I think it's very secure. And you can even run it on Windows because you can install, uh, you know, iCloud on Windows and then you have access to the, the uh, hmm. password manager as well. I don't know yeah. what you do on an Android device, though. I, don't, I think you're out it's, of luck on an Android yeah. device. It's more fluid for me because, you know, the, the biggest problem I have is with passwords is when I open up an app and it wants the password that I generated from a web, you know, like it's just not it's as hard to get. launch. You know, it's so nice. If you just use the iPhone and the Mac, man, it's yeah. Apple's solution. It's really good. Beautiful. Yeah. And it, it makes good, strong passwords that are nice and you know, yeah. I mean, you don't have a lot of control over it. With Bitwarden, you can say, you know, upper and lower case. You want how long mm-hmm. do you want it to be? How many uh, uh, special characters? You can do all of this stuff with Apple. It's like this way. This is it. Here you go. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's a strong one. Take it. And uh, I kind of would like more than that. But uh, yeah. it's not. Look at it, it's very secure. It's very secure, and you don't. I don't think you have the same problem you'd have with LastPass. I think the fear with going to say Bitwarden or One Password or uh, dash lane is well is are we going to have the same problem with with a leak of the of the vault and i think you can probably safely say apple's doing it all right if even if that keychain were somehow stolen uh it's you know it's a tied tied to a hardware you know secure hardware store it's very unlikely anybody would be able to crack that i think but yeah i'd like to um actually tie these two topics together and 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 just say that 
the original iPhone launch and Safari are directly related because one of the things Andy was saying, you know, it didn't do this, it didn't do that. And that's all true. One of the revelatory things about that, in addition to the fact that it was all touchscreen and that they had the ability to make an all touchscreen phone and not use that space for buttons. People forget that touch was not out yet. And no, multi-touch was huge. We had seen this uh, Carnegie, this demo from Carnegie Mellon of this guy doing pinch (laughs) to shrink and wide open and moving (laughs) and everybody was going, that's amazing. That's awesome. So when Apple came out with a consumer device that did that, Remember, just even be able to... You just kept on showing your friends. I was like, watch this. I can Look, zip. I can open a website and zip with Safari and zip, make it bigger, smaller. That was yeah. huge. That was really big at that time. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, that was the, that was the breakthrough, I think, was... I agree. It was, uh, as somebody who had a Palm Trio at the time, right? Like, having a, a internet-connected <laughs> phone is one thing. all of us had the same app. But like, having... Palm Trios. But having a real web browser that yeah, showed exactly. a real web page yeah. and it was a computer experience, but on your phone, that was a breakthrough moment, even though there weren't other apps. It was just the yeah. Apple apps on there. That moment of like, oh, I can get to the entire web from yeah. this device and it looks like the web and I can interact yeah. with it like the web, except for Flash. Uh, but still, it was a breakthrough. <laughs> Thank it was God, except for Flash. Well, Thank God. Was, they killed it. Yeah. And that was the end of it. I, I I remember sitting in Vegas at a, after a CES and the guy sitting next to me, I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, we're rebuilding our own website, a website that we finished two weeks ago. Oh. And I was like, and he said, we spent two years on it. And now oh. we're back to square one. I said, why? We built the whole Flash. thing in Flash. It looks amazing. And he said, the CEO opened it up on his iPhone and it you know didn't load. And he just said, he just said, well, why doesn't it? You know, why, why doesn't it work? Why does my own site doesn't work on my, on my phone? And they tried to explain it to him. He said, that wasn't, that wasn't really boss, a We chose the wrong framework, <laughs> like, you know, boss. Like, he was yeah, just like, we flew he it, was just like you, need to, you need to solve that. Oh, you know? I'd, be and so, I'd be hopping mad yeah. if I were him. Yeah. For, for, the, for the record, the things that, uh, remember that Steve Jobs uh, published a very, very famous letter excoriating uh, Flash and saying mm-hmm. that there's just, you can't, you can't make an elephant fly and you can't put Flash on a mobile device. And this is why we're not supporting it. And yeah, but the thing is like later on, a lot of devices were supporting Flash and none of what Steve said in that letter turned out to be true. Right. But, it, I, but, I, but, I, it, but I do appreciate all the reasons why he stood around. It was around pretty that power it was pretty power hungry, but I was using about a year after the iPhone, I was using a couple of different devices that had flash and yeah, it used power, but it not like not so it would absolutely kill the battery. Frame rate was fine. Streaming was fine. Uh, I, I think, I think it was I'm just I think glad was, there was one guy in the world who didn't care a damn about technical debt and said, screw it. <laughs> right. We're going to throw it all out. Cause it's bad. It's, you know, it's bad. Uh, and, and Andy, you might've uh, been able to tolerate it, but it was bad. And aren't you glad it, well, Flash is gone I'm saying, now? It was also uh, a huge yeah, security no. problem. Let me tell you. Yeah. We spent, and controlled uh, by one company. Yeah, there's right. so many things wrong I mean, with I Flash. It was the wrong way to design a yeah. website. It's why you use open standards. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a bad idea all around. Yeah. But it, 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 it did suck to have a phone that like would, with, with the prevailing video standard, a lot of content was flashed to not be able to access that content. But this is, but this is one of the A little pain is but, a good thing. A little well, this is this is this, <laughs> and this is well, and this is what makes Apple sometimes really frustrating, and oftentimes a really, yeah. really thank, great provider product. Because time, time and time again, they do things like, "You go, hey, congratulations, we did something that all all of our users have been clamoring for. We deleted that pesky headphone jack." Say, but no, we like the headphone jack. You're welcome. Like, but the headphones, we all of our headphones are for. Yes, exactly. We were the first people to be brave enough to do Courage. this, and. 
Exactly. And they'll give a lot of reasons why they did it that don't, didn't turn out to be exactly true. It came down to, we are design, we are designing this, this product. We can control the destiny of this product. We think this is the best choice for the future of this product and therefore its users. So the users are going to have to get used to the fact that they're going to have to have Bluetooth headphones from now on. So here's a question. Uh, we are still on the iPhone using Flash, I mean, uh, Safari and nothing but Safari. Because even if you're using somebody else's browser, which I do, you're still using Safari or WebKit. Uh, yeah. Is that going to change because of the EU? Are we going to start to see Apple? I I know I know exactly. Alex Lindsay's going to say, "God, I hope not." But <laughs> <laughs> I, I care much less about that because really? you just decide what you want to use. I mean, Mark, you can use whatever browser you want to use. It just won't work. It very seems well. like you Mark should. Mark Gurman's report. Else. Mark Gurman's report suggests that they are considering that and yeah. that they may need to do that. And that the idea there would be that if Google wanted to make a version of Chrome using Google's engine instead of WebKit, because right now it is mandatory, that they would they would change their rules and make that allowed. And I think that's OK. I mean, there's a question of how much optimization work anybody who's got a big browser engine wants to do for iOS. But if Google wanted to put the effort in and they, you know, the fact is that their their browser on Mac OS is really energy hungry and bad and it people use it but it, it does kill the battery worse than safari does and so i think there would be an audience for chrome on ios that was proper chrome even if it did drain your battery faster because you know choice i think choice is good and i think to yeah. andy's previous point a lot of apple's apple protests a lot and, and about about oh we can't do that because and some of their arguments are real some of their arguments are not real and some of their arguments are real but taken to an extreme that's unreasonable and i think that they're are security arguments to be made about web browsers and, and and the open web and how they need to lock things down. There are battery arguments too, but I think that the reality is that at this point in the life cycle of iOS, you could have another browser engine. It's not yeah. gonna. It's gonna be yeah. fine. I, I agree. Let's take a little break, and then uh, there is still other things to talk about. But uh, you see what I'm saying about anniversaries, the gift that just keeps on giving. We'll have, <laughs> you just take this show, and next year, run the whole thing over again. And uh, I love it. Thank you, everybody. 21 years. <laughs> 17 years. Our show today brought to you by ZocDoc. I used ZocDoc last night to find a doctor. Uh, I think this is the greatest idea. There's nothing worse then going to a doctor's appointment, you expect to be, well, let's face it, the center of attention. Your doctor's like looking at his watch. They got better things to do, better places to be. Instead of listening to you, asking you how you feel, helping you get better, the doctor is, you know, looking at playing uh, words with friends. So how do you find a good doctor? That's the real question. We've all had that experience of a doctor that's less than perfect. They're just humans. I understand. But how do you find a good doctor? ZocDoc. Z-O-C-D-O-C. Because ZocDoc has real verified reviews from its users. So on ZocDoc, you'll find quality doctors who will give you what you want. If that is, for instance, some doctors will tell you exactly what's wrong, give you all the options. They're very informative. Some people like that. Some people want a doctor to say the one thing, what should I do, doc? I don't need to hear all of the mumbo jumbo. Just tell me what I should do. You get to choose. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed. Incidentally, you search by insurance so you know they'll take your insurance. They're available. You can search. You can say, I need an appointment tomorrow, and it'll tell you who's available tomorrow. And, of course, it's not just doctors. It's almost any condition under the sun. I was looking for a geriatric physician, somebody who specializes in elder care for my elder mom. 
but you might be looking for a chiropractor or a dentist or there are all of the different uh, medical professions. When you're not feeling your best, you're just trying to hold it together. This is not the time to have to kind of figure this stuff out. Go to ZocDoc. Use their free app. Millions of users rely on it. You can find the right doctor that meets your needs. It costs you absolutely nothing. Uh, they, you know, you put in which insurance you want, what your schedule is. You can actually search a, a wide geographic area if you're willing to drive a little bit or just downtown if you don't. And you can book an appointment right in the app, just a few taps and start feeling better because you know you got the right doctor. I think this is a service that makes a huge difference. Zocdoc.com slash MacBreak. You can do it on the web, but get the app because the, the app is free. And then you have it right there in your pocket. Find and book a top-rated doctor today. And many of them are available within 24 hours, by the way. Zocdoc.com slash MacBreak. Not just the doctor, but you can choose them by specialty. It's really nice. It's a great, it's a great app. Zocdoc.com, zocdoc.com. And make sure you add the slash Mac break so they know you saw it here because, you know, we want to get credit, right? Zocdoc.com slash Mac break. We thank them so much for supporting Mac break weekly. We also want to thank our club twit members who support Mac break weekly. We really appreciate uh, your contribution. I just found out we've crossed 6,000 members. The club is one of the ways we are trying to monetize to, to, you know, we only have one ad in Mac break weekly. We only had one ad in twit. It's a, it's a tight time right now. I, the verge just had a whole, a whole uh, thing about uh, how podcast advertising is, is kind of dwindling a bit. I don't know if it's an economic headwinds or what, but it's something we have to deal with. We have uh, lighting bills. We, we have, rent we have to pay our employees so by joining club twit you're giving us a stable form of income that we can count on that lets us do more you get a lot of benefits too for seven dollars a month one less than a blue check on twitter now that's a good deal you get ad free <laughs> versions of all of our shows plus shows you can't get anywhere else like micah Sargent's hands on macintosh he does some great stuff there. Uh, if you're a Windows user, you'll love Windows Hands on Windows with Paul Therott. The Untitled Linux Show, the Giz Fizz. Uh, Ed Stacy's Book Club is coming up on Thursday. We're going to do Project Hail Mary, all for club members only. Those shows appear on the Twit Plus feed. And then there's also the Discord, which is, I think, my favorite social community. I hang in the Discord even when I'm not at work all the time. Uh, and I see, I see, Jason, you are also hanging in there. Uh, right now, oh, yeah. right now, uh, just, uh, go to twit.tv slash club twit and join us. Will you just, <laughs> no, no, you can't sneak out. No, join us. This is the discord. It's full of animated gifts. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, and by the way, it's not just show discussions. There's discussions. Yes. For all the shows, but also every kind of geeky subject under, <laughs> under the sun from anime and autos to movies, music, travel, sport ball we even have our let's play group and we've got a couple of minecraft servers that our club members hang out in it's a lot of fun i think it's the best dang club in the world twit.tv slash club twit thank you in advance and once again thank you to our club twit members for making this show possible on we go apple has released this is interesting and i haven't heard these yet but i think some of you have audiobooks with AI narrators. It 
it sounds really good. Does it? Uh, depends. Really? Yeah. Let me. Let me. It's. It's. Go ahead. I, I think I can play some. So um, can I on there? This is the Apple page. Uh, is there a sample here? There's got to be somewhere. Explore there some samples there. Yeah, we're there. Okay. Yeah. So, so you like it, Alex, and you don't like it, Andy. I just, I think that it's typical of AI generated stuff where it will, it's fine. It's fine. It's not going to, if you, if you paid for an audio book that would had a, this AI generated uh, uh, narration on it, you'd be fine with it. It's just not good. Well, and I'd rather have an actor this, do it because they really bring it to life. I mean, yeah. a human I mean, is my, always going to do better than a, but there are a lot of yeah. books that have never been audio narrated. Exactly. That's, and that's, and that's a point. My, my only fear with this is that, uh, now the default for audio publishing will be, well, of course, we're going to use an AI. If it's a very, very special fancy book that we think we're going to make a lot of money on, then we'll hire an actual voice actor, uh, voice, uh, voice artist in order to produce it. I mean, I just, I think it's okay. I don't think, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's particularly great. It's fine. It serves. I just don't want it to become the default of our expectations for audiobooks. That's all. And I think that, I think that the, one of the differences probably that you probably listen to a lot of fiction and I don't. So I don't, I don't listen to fiction. I don't. So I, so I, I, that's what movies are for, for me. So, so I won't. Um, I do, so I do listen to a lot of nonfiction too. For, and, for, and even, even when they're not performing like all, it's, it's even when it's, it's there's an audio well, book, it's such a, it's such a fine skill. So it's they do, they, they have four different voices, Madison, Jackson, Helena, and Mitchell. I don't know why the first three are uh, cities in Wisconsin, Wisconsin and Montana. I don't know where Mitchell is. Let's see what Mitchell's voice is. He does nonfiction. I do know that there is an extraordinary sense here of caring and sharing and that the sharing includes. Oh, right. First of all, I'm mad because they stole a real narrator's voice. That is mm. that is a voice I recognize. I'm sure they licensed. I'm sure they licensed. I hope they licensed yeah. his prosody. I'm sure they yeah. didn't. They didn't steal yeah, it. But no, I have to say, that sounds like him reading it. Right? This is enough for me. As the years add up, I find increasing good sense in falling this back. This is the guy who does uh, uh, Project Hail Mary. <laughs> All right. Here's Helena, a digital voice, also nonfiction. On nights with a new moon, we would walk to the end of the beach to find our favorite constellation, the Pleiades. Oh, now, Andy, that that's pretty dang good. Well, and the two, the two above are better. All right. Here's the Madison. This bed. is for fiction and romance. Movement in the greenhouse <laughs> drew his eye and a woman emerged. At first, he wasn't sure. The woman was about the right age, but there was something different about her, about the way she carried herself. So there is a Mitchell in in Wisconsin. So we've got Madison and Mitchell in Wisconsin, and Jackson and Helena, what Helena Montana and Jackson Wyoming, right? All right, let's <laughs> I try Jackson. To find a wall of trees had materialized ahead of us. Oh, these are surprising. I hadn't noticed. Good. Because I'd been staring at my feet. Oh, I this couldn't is, believe the feet. You know what, Andy? I'm going to share your dismay only because I wanted to do this in my in, in my retirement is read some audiobooks, <laughs> and these are pretty darn good. And considering yeah. they're free, yeah, they're they're, well, they're they're good. I actually I actually had to a b them a little bit myself because again, my my first reaction was, my God, this is a lot better than I assumed it would be. It does. I've heard audiobooks that would again, if, if I received this as an audible book, I would not. To give it a second uh, a second thought i wouldn't be really impressed with it but i wouldn't give, wouldn't give a second thought when i compared it to like an actual live narrator the the one of the big things that i really kind of notice is that at the end of sentences there's a they they they, they the the ai just hits a wall stops and then starts the next sentence whereas the, the it's it's more like uh with professionals there's oftentimes the i'm breathing in i'm breathing out this is where i'm yeah, doing yeah, a breath yeah. right here there's a human. And, and it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like here's the here's the first sentence number one 
And now here's sentence number two. Right. I'm now reading sentence number three. It's it's again, it's fine. I just to some degree, I might prefer that because sometimes the narrators get in the way. And well, actually, and, and, I'm listening to one of the books you recommended, Andy, the book about the Rosetta Stone, which I love. But the narrator needs a producer because he mispronounces words a lot. Okay, well, true. And, and, and <laughs> I don't know if an AI would right. mispronounce it's, it's a better, word or not. It's, it's, it's better. I will concede that absolutely it's better than bad narration any day. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first, first thing is I must have missed that episode. What's the, what's the one on Rosetta Stone? Oh, it's so oh, good. It's about, it's, about, it's about how the Rosetta Stone was no, translated. What, what, I just need the title. I don't, I don't it's, called, I'm sorry, it's called The Writing of the Gods. Okay, okay. I'll, and, I'll get it. So anyway, so. The, and it's by Edward Dolnick. And the the narrator's perfectly good. He's not he's not doesn't sound bad. I listen. I mean, obviously, voice quality and the capability to kind of communicate the mm-hmm. idea is paramount. But when they yeah. when they they need a producer because it's my, nobody's going to get all the words right, and he gets a lot of them wrong. And it makes me crazy. I hate it when I hear. Is, for instance, I'm listening to a technology book and they pronounce it cludge. <laughs> I was just listening my, to a book where he said cludge. Go ahead. My thing is, I started getting into listening to um, on on Kindle on the Kindle app. On the phone, if you use the Amazon's, you know, um, uh, assistant, and you ask to play a song, I mean, not play a song, play a book, it'll do it. It's the only way you can get it to do audio, <laughs> like you know, in on the on the iPhone. Um, and what I learned very quickly is that I could listen to an AI voice much faster than I could listen to yeah. a. Um, and and because I don't listen to fiction, all I listen, I mean, like for me, I am literally hoovering data, and and so I just want I want that, and and I have a hard time. I will lose track of the. St- I will no, lose track of the book if it sense. goes too slow. Yeah. At one x, I I think about other things while they're talking. At two x, I just think about the book. Yeah. You know, and and so the and and the thing is, so I find it actually easier to concentrate on something that's moving faster than slower, mm-hmm. and the AI is easier to go faster because it's it, the diction is is cleaner to the point that Andy was making the end those ends actually make it easier for me to hear it at speed. That's a good point. The, the um. Uh, the interesting thing is, is that I think that the opportunity here, I mean, I think that the biggest books are all going to get still having someone narrating them and still have those out there. But there is so many books, like one of my favorite books that I that I read, Africa, Africa, Biography of a Continent by John Reeder in the 90s is like 800 pages without <laughs> on a long tail. I would love for them to release that with one of these voices so that I could you know, listen to it again, you know, and there's all these books that were never, they're never going to make financial yeah. sense exactly. to do this. And now suddenly we're going to be for me. And then I think about all of Apple news, Apple news is already playing with narration and all, you know, that, that type, where they have great narration. I mean, the best, actually the best narration I've ever heard from magazine is Apple news um, narration. But I would love to know that every magazine, every article, every, whatever was all, you know, um, you know, they're like the Economist does it for every one of them. Um, uh, foreign uses affairs uses does humans, it for some though. of them. They do, but but the thing is, is that that is not practical for most great magazines. The Economist is an international. It's yeah. you know, and and it doesn't make sense. And so, it, like for instance, foreign affairs was one I've been listening reading since I was like twelve. <laughs> and <laughs> and the the issue is, is that foreign affairs doesn't put all the art. Yeah. They yeah. only put the articles in that are paid for by NOAA, and right. so. So that you only get this little like one fifth of the of the every magazine, so I think whereas gonna, this would mean all of it was available. You're describing what is exactly right, which is there is a, a kind of a, a gulf. There is people. There are people who 
and some people who do both, which I do, and I'm sure you do, listen for pleasure, for entertainment, listen for the art, and there are people who listen for the information. And it makes perfect sense for a competent AI, especially because you can speed it up, to read the stuff where you just want to get the information in. And then there's, then there's times when you want to listen to a performance. And that's what a real reader is. And I think Andy's wanting to hear the performance. You wouldn't want to hear an opera done by AI because there's no art no, in yeah. it. So, so, but yeah. now here's the question. And I hope this stays the case. Right now, it's cheap to do AI. And so there is that advantage. In fact, that's how Apple's pitching this, by the way. Every book deserves to be heard with Apple Books. Digital narration, now yours can be, which is a strange way to put that. With Apple Books, digital narration, oh, I get it. Now yours can be. See, that's right. why you have to that, have a human. That, but that's what's so encouraging about this is there are so many books that are simply not, not available put out. And they because tell, the economics don't work. They right? tell indies how to do this. Or, in fact, they tell you how you can publish on Apple Books, including publishing an audio version of your book, which I think is fantastic. So that's beneficial as long as – but I bet Apple charges the same amount for an AI book as for a non-AI book on audio, right? Yeah, I don't think that. I, it's just a service to let you do it. Yeah, I think, I think honestly... For the publisher. If, it, it should be cheap to get an AI book because that's $5,000 less. That's what the standard rate is for narrating <laughs> a book. So, I guess $5,000 isn't that much cheaper over a million people. But still, um, I feel like AI, you should pay less for that. Am I wrong, Alex? No, I, I, I don't know. As a consumer, I mean, I pay in Audible. I pay in credits, so I don't know what the costs <laughs> you are. Pay for those credits. Books. Trust me, it's going. I do. I do. I have yeah. some monthly, but but the point is, is that it's um, just because they've uh, managed to obscure the actual cost doesn't mean it doesn't cost anything. It's like it's like twenty five bucks a month. I think whatever the Audible is twenty five bucks a month, I know, and I get enough. Credit. I, I, I always have credit. All I know is I always have credit. I wonder you if Audible I mean? would ever use this though. This is interesting. Well, I, bet, I, uh, I think. I mean, I, I, they might though, because again, this is the thing of like, what happens to all the books? We think of every book as having an audiobook. They don't. And if you're somebody who right. listens to audiobooks, you know, not every book has an yeah, audiobook. So and especially sure. if it's a small press or an indie or something like that. And so we can, I mean, everybody's rushing to, oh no, all audiobook readers are going to be put out of business, which I, I'm with Andy. I think that there is an art to a lot of this and that it's not necessarily true. But there's an accessibility issue here, which is lots of books sure. aren't accessible. They're just not accessible because they're, the, the economics don't pencil out. And so, and anybody who's listened to kind of like the really cheap, crappy uh, voice synthesis oh, in a book or a magazine or newspaper, it's it's un, it's unlistenable. It's terrible, yeah. right? It, you can't maybe for a short amount of time, but not over a long term. So, if you can get good AI to make all of these books that never had an edition for audio uh, audible, uh, I mean generically, not <laughs> trademark of audible, like just to be able to be listenable. That's a, I think that's a huge win for the authors. It's interesting that these are in specific categories. I was talking to my friend Dan Morin, who is a science fiction novelist, in addition to being my co-writer. <laughs> he on has Six a very Colors. good reader on his books, by the way. And he has a, he is an excellent reader. In fact, yeah. so good that people will have discovered his books because they will exactly. listen to anything that that reader exactly. does. But he, but he says, you know, first off, it's part of the author economics to sell out audio rights and and that's a big deal but also there's this challenge which is what if you sign a deal and there's no audiobook and everybody comes to him and says when will the audiobook be coming out and like if you don't have an answer you are losing customers however dan's a science fiction novelist and he has to provide a pronunciation guide to his reader right because he because it's got lots of made up science fictiony terms it's interesting that they've specified romance 
and nonfiction because it sounds to me like the other back end work that's happening here is for each of these books, they're probably trying to build sort of like proper pronunciations. And in some wilder genres like science fiction, it probably wouldn't work as well, at least not yet. Right. But I could foresee a day when those science fiction writers will be able to like, you know, put in their weird made up words and have it all be read correctly down the road. Do we know I'm looking at uh, the audiobooks section of Apple's iBooks. They don't have a, this, this one's narrated by a robot section. I wish they did. <laughs> oh, we, you can search. There is an AI narration. I think there's a search term you can put in books and it oh, will okay. actually, Let me see if it actually works. give you AI. what it is. Cause I would, I'll buy one just to see how, and especially speeding it up area AI narration. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Shelter from the storm narrated by Apple books. It says, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were looking. Uh, uh, sorry. I didn't mean to hide. So I, should we listen to this romance novel? Shelter from the storm narrated by Apple books. I like this. So yeah, you can do that. AI narration. I don't know if I want to listen to a romance novel. Uh, and again, I look at it like all the, when you look about Apple news, it's all of those things. The rebel but, princess say you love me. Trail of secrets. The doctor's no unexpected family. But like, this is a great example. I found one in here called the lumberjacks by Donald McKay. And yeah. it was, you know, it was shortlisted for an award in 1978. So it's oh. a deep catalog nonfiction oh, nice. book. Right. And it doesn't have an audiobook, And so Apple ran it through its system. And now, you can get an audiobook for the book that otherwise wouldn't have one. That's great. Is it That's all great. about lumberjacks? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the 19th century spawned a unique breed of men. Donald McKay. Their woodman skills all right. and rough coats of conduct. There yeah. You go. uh, it's seven ninety nine. narrated by a digital voice. Shortlisted. Yeah, no, you found a good one. You found a good one. So, yeah, and I can also choose as narrator Apple books. I bet I can search for narrator Apple books. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's all try one. What do you say, kids? Andy, would you be willing to give it a shot? I will give a definitely give yeah, a shot. I sure. want to see this. The problem is most of the books I want to read are big enough that somebody's narrated it. But yeah, if you were really into lumberjacks, <laughs> I could see. Like I've been wanting to read that book I, since nineteen seventy eight. In the list, and I thought it was a romance <laughs> novel about a guy in flannel, and I thought, uh -huh. well, you know, maybe his, it is. Yeah, maybe you don't it know. is. I don't know. <laughs> uh, listen to sample. Okay, can we do this without getting in trouble? Let's see. Oh, come on. Be brave. Be bold. Loggers in British Columbia. Of the three interwoven ages of Eastern Canadian logging, the first. It's a book about lumberjacks. No, 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 no. Listen to it. More importantly, listen to it at two x. Oh yeah, can I? Oh, I can't in the sample probably. Uh, that would be fun. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, maybe What's I can. It Let's try it at 2x. Here we go. The Lumberjacks. The second age. The lumber industry began to supply saw timber for the growing towns of the United States. You don't listen like that, Andy. I mean, uh, Alex. That's how I listen to. Oh, yeah. That's how I listen. Into Canada and open seemingly endless forests of spruce. Okay, that's one and a half. That's usable. In British Columbia. I'm, get, I'm getting anxious just listening to the same. That's how I listen to everything. It does have a little bit of digital burble. on meth. I, I feel like I feel like when I when I go back to one X, like I'll be like, what what happened to the phone? Like the person's it's all. I'm actually out. Like, disappointed what, because Apple's doing the same thing with the digital narration that they do with a human narration, which is using a, a special tool to speed it up and by taking out bits. And that's not how they should do it. They should have the AI read it faster. They could do that, right? 
Just say, hey, right. AI, read it to mm. X, please. And then it wouldn't sound so burbly. It would just sound like the AI is talking fairly fast. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's a 1.1 that. yeah. feature, right? Yeah, it's really What's that tool called, uh, Alex? We used to call it a harmonizer. I don't know what they use these days. But you can speed stuff. Actually, every software. Yeah, all text-to-speech engines have that, right, of, yeah. of how fast or slow do you want the speaker to Yeah, you should be to able talk. to read it faster instead of doing the digital thing where it speeds it up and it gives you that right. weird kind of thing sound. Right. You, yeah. ju- you just want it to act like it's really caffeinated. Yeah, it might. Like, it the might. guy's really excited I, about the subject. Be I think lumberjacks are the greatest thing ever. I want to tell you all about the British Columbian the lumberjacks. Of Western Canada. I, I, I don't know. I, I I'm not sure which one I would prefer because I, I I think that I, I we're think talking I, about the coffee industry now. First of all, you want to think that you got now cold press now you don't need the cold press first. You want to need a cold press first. <laughs> coffee industry is very appropriate. Yeah, exactly. I'm actually kind of excited about this. I I'm gonna I not I don't think I'm gonna get the lumberjacks, but I think I'll find a book. <laughs> I'll find a book. Uh... There's quite a few books called The Lumberjacks. Some of them are a little more romantic. How about The Lumberjacks Bride? <laughs> I might get that instead. Anyway. Mm. Mm. Our love is not meant to be, for you are a high-born lady of a lord, and I am a rough, <laughs> rough principal lumberjack. <laughs> That's the book. You've read it, obviously. Gridiron I live, Underground. I, I, I lived it, Leo. Oh, I, won't tell you, I won't tell you whether as, as the lady or as the lumberjack, but... This is, this it was, is the, it was, a, it was a dance, man. It was a dance. This is the one about football. A football. wants to coach. As children, we don't always understand the hardships and adversities. So that's still one and a half. The constant sacrifices that so many of our parents and ancestors. I think at one, it sounds pretty good, though. For us to live the lives we do. This particular article was in no way written to suggest that a black player could not coach. Rather, it was written to shed. I think that sounds like it sounds like a weird, a little bit of an odd human, but it sounds good. Weird there human. are far worse <laughs> human readers. I got to tell you, yeah, true. Some yeah. are terrible, and that's what that's what the standardization often happens. Like there's, you know, Starbucks is not the best uh, latte, but no, it's but it's the one standard. you can expect. You know, and it's better than get. a lot of lattes in other places. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that that thing is that it'll set a certain standard that if, if you can't afford the the really good, I will say that as a mediocre to less than mediocre narrator your your job is probably yeah. you're yeah. not going to last much good longer. this is the starbucks of audio narration the starbucks yeah. of audiobooks exactly. i like but that. that's you know that that is the common hope through all this conversation we're having about generative ai that if you are mediocre at a creative job you're in big big trouble yeah yeah that if you're a mediocre artist and if you're show a mediocre us the art alex that you had up uh, before the show started he had a Title cards so that we would know Alex was online. He's you're Mister Midjourney. Hold on, you're Mister Midjourney. Hold on, you can't um, even find it. Oh no, I have it. I have it. Hold on. I had. I what happened was I was at the airport and I um at the airport and someone had taken it had photoshopped themselves in front of a tri, uh, of triceratops or something had posted oh, I it on saw Twitter that. and there was a whole thing about yeah Joyce Carol Oates said well there ought to be conservation uh, wherever this is she <laughs> knew it was a triceratops she made a joke then that Elon thought- makes a joke and then people yeah, so, start getting upset that somebody killed a triceratops. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I thought, what if there was like a reality show about hunting, dra- uh, hunting dinosaurs? dinosaurs? You know, the, you know, yeah. Joe got eaten today, and, yeah. and there's a whole bunch of like the little interviews, and 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 sometimes the tri- the the Tyrannosaurus Rex turns around, and starts chasing you, and so I just t- told Mid Journey, um, I think that the what I gave it was. Um, Tyrannosaurus Rex, uh, tri- uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex chasing after man with rifle, and I got that. Wow. Fifteen no, seconds? Like, That's not a. You didn't iterate on it. That's just no, the first thing that was it came not, up with. That was like it just was like okay. Well, I had a couple other ones of man doing this, man, man 
Mid journey is really good. Thing, and then, yeah. When you get good at, when you get it, I get good at, I guess what MIT refers to as uh, prompt engineering. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. you, you get pretty quick, you very quickly get something that's pretty impressive if you know what to ask for and what to tell it, you know, to make that work. So I have started using a uh, new search engine, which I'm going to probably recommend at some point. I want to, I want to keep using it called Neva, N E E V A, but they're doing something I'm sure Google will start doing when you do a Neva search. Um, they give you a summary from a AI, like a chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me, I don't know if Neva's turned on here. Let me see. Search for Mac break. Oh no, let's see. Uh, something like uh, uh, replace Apple battery. It's really good when I search for programming content. No, oh, see, yeah. I'm still using Google. Let me, I don't, I can't remember how I switch this uh, over. I guess I have to switch it over here. But it's, uh, so it's really an interesting, Google apparently is quite nervous about this because they have those, you know, knowledge bars where they just basically take a clip of somebody else's website and paste it up there. And people are starting to get a little upset about that. And uh, apparently, let me change it over to Neva. Here we go. So let me, um, oh, I know what I could search for. Let's search for the Manhattan distance because I don't know what a Manhattan distance is and I had to learn that in the programming thing. And, oh, it didn't do it. It didn't do it. It, it Maybe it's not turned on yet. And I think they might have turned it off because it got slower. But this gives pretty credible results, but it was doing a paragraph generated by AI. Oh, I'm not signed in. That's why. Anyway, I think we're going to see more and more in these kind of in those kind of situations, yes? Where it it's uh, it, a human couldn't obviously do it, but the summaries actually work better in a lot of ways with ChatGPT than than it generating its own thing. It looking yes. at what you're doing yes. and pulling it and, and condensing it. I found it actually to be um, very good. Yeah, I wouldn't write, want it to write any programming code. Although uh, yeah. I have seen a number of cases where. Production code is now being written by ChatGPT. Ours had a great article uh, the other day about how a lot of script kitties are now using it to, hey, hey, write me some code that will get me through Cloudflare uh, uh, firewall. Like, okay, here you go. A lot of it has (laughs) to do with if somebody's already written that code. Here we go. Here's the – now, so I logged in. So here's the AI generating – this is AI generated. Uh, so it's pulling from a number of websites and then doing a summary, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. That, that, yeah, that kind of stuff is, su- is super useful. The problem is integrating it into a web search so that you can actually trust the results. And that's where, oddly enough, when, when, you, when Google is the company who's saying, no, 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 we don't want to go so fast that we're being irresponsible and misleading people. Oh, boy, that's, well, <laughs> that's, and- a, that's a situation. What I'm surprised at is that no one has built just a web page that uses ChatGPT to take anything that you put into it and convert it to pirate. It it, it is it it actually it, ChatGPT <laughs> oh, does pirate really really well. Just in case you're wondering, you know the the we the conversion is very good. We've had this technology for 20 years, Alex. We're <laughs> I'll, I'll give you command line tools I was using oh, in Unix this. in the 90s. I just did a uh, Neva search the- for lumberjack terms. Lumberjack terms include logger, woodcutter, shanty boy, woodhick, boom poke, boom cat, faller, bucker, timber beast, and toothpick timber. Thank you very much. That's uh, AI generated. It may be wrong, but who cares? It's good. It's good. Welcome to the boom poke. 
And, 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 and what, what I say is the reason I said pirate is because there have been many things that convert oh. to pirate, but the, the Jet GPT takes it to an entirely another level. Oh, like really? it, it is oh. not just replacing one word for another. It is reforming. Like I put the Gettysburg address, you know, into GPT and it's, you know, um, uh, I mean, it, it. All right, let me try it. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm buying this. Hold on. I got to log in again to this. It's just that I, you know, we used to do it all the time on on speak like a pirate day. So translate things. Four score R and seven years uh, ago R. Can't let that. Yeah. The um, what was it that, uh, you know, they battled fierce storms, hostile natives, and rival crews, you, all in the name of building a new do nation. You, do you do you and call now, it the Gettysburg Address in pirate speak or what? I said what I said was uh, I all I said, um. Was you know write the write the Gettysburg Address and pirate. That's okay. all. I didn't do anything else. <laughs> Ahoy, mateys! Here be the Gettysburg Address as a pirate would give it. Far scar and seven years ago, our pirate forefathers brought. Oh, this is cons- <laughs> this is not very good. Mine was much better. Testing whether I'm, that nation or any nation. So no, it's this whole Gettysburg Address with a few weird little things. No, mine didn't do that. It's all together so. fit and proper. We should do this. No, this is just a normal. Maybe it knows me better. It knows you. Mine was good. Maybe because like, we're experiencing exceptionally high demand. Please hang tight as we yeah. work on scaling our systems. I mine mine came out really well. <laughs> That's historical. I wonder if yeah, I looks, if I searched for Gettysburg address if I'd get a uh, yeah. if I'd get a, a summary. Anyway, a little bit of a rabbit hole. A Nevis a Nevis <laughs> summary. Yeah, there you go. Look at that. That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. I think these. I, I'm kind of liking this new Neva thing. This is a paid. You have to pay for it. it was going to be my pick down the road, but I'll mention it now. Uh, you have to pay for it uh, five bucks a month, but uh, there's no ads. There's no tracking. It's a bunch of Google ex Googlers, including Google executives, who said, "You know, what if we did Google, and it was a paid Google, and we didn't have to do any of the ad crap." Um, and it works. It's actually I've been using it as my main uh, chat, uh, main search for about two weeks now. I'm very happy with it. And this AI thing they just added, which is fascinating. Anyway, hey everybody, Leo Laporte here. I am the founder and one of the hosts at the Twit Podcast Network. I want to talk to you a little bit about what we do here at Twit because I think it's unique, and I think for anybody who is uh, bringing a product or a service to a tech audience. You need to know about what we do here at Twit. We've built an amazing audience of engaged, intelligent, affluent listeners who listen to us and trust us when we recommend a product. Our mission statement as Twit is to build a highly engaged community of tech enthusiasts. Boy, already you should be your ears should be perking up at that because highly engaged is good for you. Tech enthusiasts, if that's who you're looking for, this is the place. We do it by offering them the knowledge they need to understand and use technology in today's world. And I hear from our audience all the time, part of that knowledge comes from our advertisers. We are very careful. We pick advertisers with great products, great services, with integrity, and introduce them to our audience with authenticity uh, and genuine enthusiasm. And that makes our host red ads different from anything else you can buy. We are literally bringing you to the attention of our audience and giving you a big fat endorsement. We like to create partnerships with trusted brands, brands who are in it for the long run, long-term partners that want to grow 
with us. And we have so many great success stories. Tim Broom, who founded IT Pro TV in 2013, started advertising with us on day one, has been with us ever since. He said, quote, we would not be where we are today without the Twit Network. I think the proof is in the pudding. Advertisers like IT Pro TV and Audible that have been with us for more than 10 years, they stick around because their ads work. And honestly, isn't that why you're buying advertising? You get a lot with Twit. We have a very full-service attitude. We almost think of it as kind of artisanal uh, advertising, boutique advertising. You'll get a full-service continuity team. People who are on the phone with you, who are in touch with you, who support you from with everything from copywriting to graphic design. So you are not alone in this. We embed our ads into the shows. They're not... They're not added later. They're part of the shows. In fact, often they're such a part of our shows that our other hosts will chime in on the ad saying, yeah, I love that. Or just the other day, one of our hosts said, man, I really got to buy that. <laughs> That's an additional benefit to you because you're hearing people, our audience trusts saying, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, we deliver, always over deliver on impressions. So you know you're going to get the impressions you expect. The ads are unique every time. We don't pre-record them and roll them in. We are genuinely doing those ads in the middle of the show. Uh, we'll give you great onboarding services. Ad tech with pod sites that's free for direct clients. Gives you a lot of reporting. Gives you a great idea of how well your ads are working. You'll get courtesy commercials. You actually can take our ads and share them across social media and landing pages. That really extends the reach. There are other free goodies, too, including mentions in our weekly newsletter that's sent to thousands of fans, engaged fans who really want to see this stuff. We give you bonus ads and social media promotion, too. So if you want to be a long-term partner, introduce your product to a savvy engaged tech audience visit twit.tv slash advertise check out those testimonials mark mccrary is the ceo of authentic you probably know him one of the biggest uh, original podcast advertising companies we've been with him for 16 years mark said the feedback from many advertisers over 16 years across a range of product categories everything from razors to computers is that if ads and podcasts are going to work for a brand they're going to work on Twitch shows. I'm very proud of what we do because it's honest, it's got integrity, it's authentic, and it really is a great introduction to our audience of your brand. Our listeners are smart, they're engaged, they're tech savvy, they're dedicated to our network. And that's one of the reasons we only work with high integrity partners that we've personally and thoroughly vetted. I have absolute approval on everybody. If you've got a great product, I want to hear from you. Elevate your brand by reaching out today at advertise at twit.tv. Break out of the advertising norm. Grow your brand with host red ads on twit.tv. Visit twit.tv slash advertise for more details. Or you can email us advertise at twit.tv if you're ready to launch your campaign now. I can't wait to see your product. So give us a ring. Moving on, we have other stories, believe it or not. Oh, I wanted to mention this, one of our chatters when we were talking about conferences. There are still Apple conferences. There are still Apple II conferences. This is Kansas <laughs> Fest in KC. It's coming up July 18th to the 23rd, only 188 days until Apple II forever. Kansas Fest. It's this one guy, 
Uh, no, I'm sure it's more than that. Look, there's there's sessions. There's about two people's heads in there. Uh, here, <laughs> I love it. So there are still fan fests everywhere. I thought I'd mention that. Also, moving on, Broadcom. That's right now the chip that does a lot of the uh, stuff, the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth, the radio stuff in your iPhone. According to Mark Gurman, not only has Apple replaced Intel, they're working on swapping out Qualcomm for their own modem. That didn't go so well the last time. And a combined Wi-Fi and Bluetooth chip. Bluetooth chip. <laughs> Bluetooth Le- chip. Using, using the Cluzo AI voice <laughs> now? Yeah. And the Bluetooth uh, chip. Uh, that Bluetooth would re- chip, yes. <laughs> uh, the Bluetooth. The Bluetooth. <laughs> As not my dog. It's a Bluetooth chip. How is your dog, by the way? Is that Does your ch- dog have a Bluetooth? <laughs> my dog is doing great. Did your dog bait? May I, may I pair my phone with your dog? Yes. <laughs> let my I dog. cannot pair my phone. That is not my dog. <laughs> Thank you. That thank is, you. Is Bluetooth. Broadcom. Anyway. Would you take over the show, Jason? I'll be with you. Uh, sources tell me that uh, no, Apple's, uh, this makes sense, right? Apple wants to own, it's like with Safari. Apple wants to own sure. everything. They should own everything. That's And uh, so they're like, Bluetooth, it. Wi-Fi, we can make a chip that does that. And so they're going to do that. And then if you're Broadcom, you're like, uh-oh. But, um, but, but what about us? And the answer is that they're, it's this awkward position where like they're going to put it in some products, but not others, which means that they'll still be a Broadcom customer and Broadcom doesn't really want to lose their business, but they know that it's going to go away. It's sort of like Apple and Intel's relationship, which is sort of like, you know, we want to make money while we can. Uh, what's funny about this is it's not Qualcomm, right? Like they have not been able to replace Qualcomm for 5G modems, right? But they've been able been to... hard. Yeah, and Apple's been doing some of this, like the Apple chips still that are in to, some devices still have, have them. They have to pay, yeah. I would imagine, pay license fees. Because one of the reasons they use Qualcomm chips, and I bet it's true with Broadcom too, is they own the patents for the underlying Probably. technology. So they're still going to have my, to pay my, for that. Yeah, my guess is that they feel like if they integrate it into their own systems, that they can get savings in terms yeah. of yeah. power, especially, and efficiency to have it be integrated into their own stuff instead of using well, an off-the-shelf chip. This is uh, from Mark Gurman. It is according to people... Oops, uh, Shut up, Mark. I'm talking. It's according to he probably could say Bluetooth chip better than I can. According to people, according to people who asked not to be identified because Apple's plans are private. Although I guess when Mark announced it, uh, Broadcom's stock tanked 4.7 percent <laughs> because Apple is 20 percent of Broadcom's revenue last year, seven billion dollars. Uh, Qualcomm 22 percent, 10 billion dollars. So Qualcomm and the Broadcom taking a hit. Uh, the only thing that uh, I can tie in uh, on that is we are sitting now in a studio that used to be Broadcom's offices. And our server <laughs> our server room in my office is where Broadcom used to have all of its equipment. <laughs> they are no longer in this building at all. They moved out all of their uh, facilities out of this building. So. Yeah, and, and and I think that I think that this I mean Apple has referred to everything other than their chips as legacy hardware in the past. Yeah. So they are definitely planning to I mean I wouldn't be surprised that if someday we get the iPhone is just a piece of silicon that sits inside of inside oh, of the you know, glass. Could you they know, do like that? Like ultimately yeah. uh, it's all one system on a chip with everything. They, they could, could eventually. That, yeah, right? I mean yeah, so that, I mean or they, or they 
I think you can, you just end up with more and more of it being incorporated into their into their system, and it allows them to design for that. But they have first they'll build it as as separate pieces because they don't know what they don't know how to right. do it yet. So the first step is to take over all of those chips that are there, and then the next thing will be a you know a system on a chip, but it's the entire system. It's literally just a piece of silica <laughs> wafer that just goes into the thing, and no one's ever been able to do that because no one's been big enough as as big as Apple and and had the you know it controls the software, controls the hardware, controls yeah, all those things. Let's not forget uh, last week we talked about Tim Cook at the Sony factory in uh, Japan. It's making nice with the <laughs> Sony folks for the, uh, for the camera, right? Sure. For now, some stuff. like you know, like it's it's all you know, you know, it's how much and, and how much does and, Apple want to bite off of that though? All of it, uh, sensor. I think I think Apple wants to bite off as much as the, they'll just keep figuring things out, and you'll see things slowly keep on getting added to the system. This camera's um, going to be the, tough, especially the sensor is really is what hard. Sony does right; they're renowned for their sensors. Yeah, but but Apple's figuring. I mean, Apple has to work pretty closely with them. I think it's the patents that probably keep Apple yeah. away from the sensor, not so much the making of it. Um, but I think that the um, uh, it, the sensors are hard, you know, and I think that Apple's probably that'll probably if if the last something thing. ends up being the last thing, yeah. it'll probably be the sensor. I don't know if you phone. noticed this is the uh, Bloomberg story on Bloomberg dot com, and they have a picture of a Qualcomm chip in a phone that, if you look closely, apparently has been broken open, or <laughs> or I don't know what's going on there, but maybe burned at the end. It's uh. <laughs> Did you did you did you want that badly to get to the chip? I guess is the question, and the answer is yes. Um, what the hell happened here? Yeah, hmm. <laughs> burn it with fire. It's a crime scene. Call yeah. in Inspector Clouseau immediately. The photo credit goes to Brent Lewin at Bloomberg. So I think mm. probably Mark said, "Hey, Brent, I need quick. I need a picture of a Qualcomm <laughs> modem in an Apple phone." And Brent said, "Here." It's from the crime scene. It's like a kinder egg. <laughs> uh, Broadcom's chief executive, Hawk Tan, during a conference call last month, expressed confidence that his company will maintain its foothold at Apple. We believe we have the best technology delivering value to our customers. There's no reason to find something else where you're not best. True, that is was Apple's experience trying to replace the modem, wasn't it? They, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. They bought Intel's business because Intel wanted to get out of it. And Apple has <laughs> not yet produced anything out of it either. Uh, sounds like they're, you know, still working there, but it, it's right. So Qualcomm has said the same things and thus far has been true. So we'll see what happens with Broadcom. But I get the feeling that integrating some Bluetooth and Wi-Fi is going to be easier than 5G. But then again, you know, the last thing you want is to say, yay, we built our own chip, and then you put it in a laptop, and that laptop is notorious Wi-Fi problems, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. That is not yeah. what you want yeah. to do. And you certainly don't want to do that with the iPhone and the cellular modem, which is why I think they're so careful. Yeah. German says that Apple's been trying to build a modem replacement since 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, Apple is ready to ship its first cellular modem chip, he says, by the end of next year or 2025. So it's still a ways off. Right. And there'll be a ramp, right? It'll be in some, it'll be in some niche product. It'll be in an SE or something like that. But they're not going to just flip over the whole iPhone line in a year because that's just yeah. too risky if they have a failure. It might be easier to do the Broadcom chip though, because don't they make a, their own Bluetooth yeah. chip, the W2 in the, in their headphones? And, yeah, exactly. They've, yeah. they've done some things that aren't Broadcom where they're doing Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. So they, they have yeah. some experience there. They just haven't brought it into like the Mac, iPad and iPhone where they would just say, we're taking this over entirely. 
Yeah, they might they might even decide to do sort of A-B testing where some factories will get one chip. The other factories will get the other chip. They used to do that with what was the what was the what was the model of iPhone that had um I had oh. the Intel and the Qualcomm Thank modems in it. That was much. like right. the half half of the iPhones right, had right. Qualcomm, yeah. half had modem, Intel modems, and they had to slow down the Qualcomm because the Intel was so crappy. Yeah, that the, all the phones had the actual Qualcomm phones had to be slowed down, so they wouldn't yeah. be any faster than the Intel phone, so you wouldn't know what you got. Yeah, German also is giving us very bad news about this year's Apple releases. Apple, he says. We'll talk up its mixed reality headset in 2023, but not much else. Yeah, the most interesting yeah. part of, of those of those stories were about how Apple. Uh, he claims that he has sources saying that Apple is actually pulling engineers off of iOS, off of macOS, to get uh, this reality headset off the door sometime this year. So, and consequently, uh, we shouldn't expect much of in ways of revolutionary new features for either OS this year. If this is the if this is the actual year for the headset after all these years of, of people talking about it, uh, this is going to be the thing. I mean, this is going to be the full court. They've spent tens of billions of dollars. That's the rumor. Oh, so uh, I have, this. I have so, this really bad so feeling we'll see, about we'll this. This this could be a horrible flop. Um, uh, I know you. I know you're bullish, yeah. but I. I mean the the. I'm nervous about this. I, what, what, what makes me nervous about it, Leo, is that is that we've had reports of it being over two thousand dollars, and now we've got a report of it being over three thousand dollars. Five hundred bucks. And the only way that that makes sense to me is if they truly pitch it as being a development preview and corporate tool. Absolutely. And and the, if and that jibes with the rumor that it's going to be called Reality Pro because the indication, I think they're going to need to say, though, yes, we know this is not for everybody, that we're working on that one, too, because nobody's going to, de- I mean, this is my question. Who is going to invest in developing software for a brand new Apple platform that isn't going to sell units, right? Like, developers have to feed themselves. Developers have to sell copies of their software in order to make their businesses work. And if it's a $3,000 plus headset, you know, whoever, unless you're a, an enterprise software developer trying to speak to that 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 market of uh, big businesses that are trying to assemble, you know, visualize CAD or, or, or whatever, uh, you're not going to develop for it. And, and Apple's whole game plan since the iPhone app store opened has been get the developers in because there's going to be a gold rush and there's money to be made, but not at three grand or even two grand. I think according to German, Apple has already shared the device with a small number of high profile software developers for testing, letting them get started on third party apps. The device's operating system codenamed Borealis inside the company will be publicly named XROS. If they have seated developers with it, how long before we start hearing more details? I, I, very I, soon. Yeah. 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 Really those those people soon. aren't those people aren't going home though. I will right. say that right. It's yeah. like, can you send Jimmy over? You'll see <laughs> yeah. him in He's May. Locked in. Is he uh, locked into the campus? Yeah. yeah. Jimmy's yeah, office exactly. does but, not yeah. face out. It faces I mean, it's in. It's been leaking all. It's been <laughs> leaking all along. So I imagine it'll it'll keep leaking. I don't know if the developers who are being watched like hawks are going to be the source of those yeah, maybe leaks, not. but it'll yeah. it'll it'll yeah. keep leaking. You don't want to I, I mess think up this, your relationship. So I think this will go ahead. No, I'll let you. I, I, I'll let you finish. I just want to move on a little bit. Okay, just just quickly that I think this will track like most of Apple's brand uh, brand new releases in which they have to have something running at the at the intro 
the intro will happen way before actual release. So there's some developers will have some software that is not written by Apple that will show what it can actually do. And the $3,000 price tag, even more, is not a problem so long as, as Jason said, so long as they define that this is not a consumer product. This is for a developers who are investigating VR, which is one of the biggest markets for uh, VR hardware. And secondly, this is for medicine. This is for the military. This is for architecture. This is for design. All of the corporate, all the vertical markets that are specifically buying VR headsets like a uh, like a Microsoft right now, $3,000 is pretty much what these things cost. So, so long as they can tamp down expectations, as long as they can make sure that the people that they, they see these with, okay, if you write anything, anything that even smells tiny a little bit like it's a game or it's a navigation app or anything like that we will come over there and we will call your dog many many mean-spirited names and they will be have a hard time coming back from that we are don't don't want you to think that i don't think that's going to be the case though i think that what's going to happen is a lot of developers are want to get a hold of it and they're thinking two or three years down the road and they're going to go i'm going to build the next game the next education thing i'm going to build knowing that eventually and i don't think that these headsets are going to get I would be surprised if the headset is ever, ever less than a thousand dollars. Like it, it's, you know, like I think nine ninety nine is about as close as you're ever going to get. That would be a breakthrough too. Um, but it, but I think that that would be very, you know, and and I, and I mean, five years from now, like it might be a thousand dollars. Only some developers are going to be able to work with the hope of getting revenue in two or three years, right? And oh, that's yeah. going to be a. It's going to be a. Yeah. That would be a very different proposition for Apple to make, and I, there and. I have yeah. to wonder why they're so bullish on this, given the current evidence that yeah. this is a dead end. Well, I, I think that I, we, a lot of things have been dead ends that Apple has, you know, the phone wasn't supposed to work. The watch wasn't supposed to work. The, you know, well, like the, these were all things that everyone said you can't. But everybody had phones and used phones. Everybody has watches exactly. and uses watches. Nobody has a yeah. VR headset they exactly. wear around the office. And, Nobody. And I think that, I think that, you know, I, um, I have, again, the, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of support. I mean, a, a lot of OS stuff that's been built out over a very, very long time for this. That's what was missing. It's what's been missing for a lot of these things. I just don't get it. I don't think anybody wants to wear anything on their head. I just don't think so. I, but I think I, that I just, if it's a, I, besides I the that, spectacles, yes, but where that's yeah. way off. It, yeah. Don't just. I just think that the mistake that all of us make are thinking about VR, AR is about putting a headset on. It really, AR and VR can be about using a phone. It can be about wearing earbuds. So long as you have this idea that you have a phone that can basically uh, capture data wherever you want to get it, project data yeah, wherever well, you want to put it. Well, that's where we are today. Work. I don't think that's yeah, exactly. what Apple's planning on. Apple's I, I planning think, on putting good, on something yeah. on your head. No, but because that's that's a part of it too. I think that I think they. I hope that they are putting together an ecosystem where uh, developers can do things with phones that uh, that they they get I'm, APIs for. I free guess I'm just too so, old, and I just don't. No, but, see I, but, it, but 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 but, uh, but I do agree with you. If they're trying to make the, if they're trying to say, oh, but we're Apple, people will buy a three thousand dollar VR headset. People will buy a thousand dollar VR headset in quantity for education because we're Apple. Saying no, well, well maybe they so. They've been planning they have, this since 2019. They plan to release it this month. According to German, planning. until fairly recently, uh, they, they, have now dec- they, 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 they have now they, decided they're going to release it on the WWDC in June, I'm told, says Mark. They've been planning the release maybe since 2019. <laughs> They've been planning the headset a lot longer than that. Of course. So, so the, yeah. you know, and so the, no, um, they wanted to have it out uh, in 2019 is what he's saying. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, so what does that mean for the rest of Apple's products? I mean, the headline is, and I hate to say it. Not much else. Yeah, um, it looks like not a lot of new iPad news at all, so if depressing. any. 
They're focusing uh, the, on the wrong thing. I right. Think. No iMac updates. The Mac Pro will come out. The rumors are about the MacBook Pro update. First half of the year MacBook and Pros. And the Mac Mini update. With the same designs and features, says German, as the current 14 yeah, and 16. Just speed bumps. We can, we can stipulate that German's usually right. M2 yeah. Pro and M2 Max. Marginal leaps from today's MacBook Pro processors. A high-end configuration of the Mac Pro model with 48 CPUs and 152 graphical cores has been canceled. Right. Instead, We're Apple plans do the two-chip version. to the release Ultra. a version with the Ultra, yeah. uh, which he says makes it unclear why most users would buy it over the cheaper and smaller Mac, Mac Studio, which is still plenty fast enough for most people. The new no, Mac think- Pro will look identical to the 2019, the 2019 cheese grater, the new, right. new cheese grater. Right. If they were going to do a slimline version, like a half-height version, which was the report for a while there, it seems like they killed that and said, let's just use the one we've got. Let's not design a new enclosure. And, and I wonder how, Alex, you feel about this. No user-upgradable RAM. You know, that's how you build it. That's how they're building what they're doing. That's these SOCs. They have unified memory. what you get with that is speed <laughs> so 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 if you're if you're buying into it there's not a i mean two ssd a storage that. cards uh, slots for storage for graphics mm-hmm. media and networking cards two ssd storage slots but uh, yeah but getting getting the uh being it you know the ram being on the bus massively yeah, slows I understand. down the operation no, i understand so. just be aware that's why you can't upgrade mm-hmm. it and which means that the upfront cost will be very high if you want more than 64 gigs of RAM, probably. But he does say the graphics are upgradable, which is interesting because that's a new wrinkle we haven't yeah. seen in Apple Silicon. And that's what so. you get with the that's what you get with the um, the cheese grater is that you have all the built in some of the other things that that come with that, which is slots. But who's going to make a graphics card for Apple? Well, ATI already. I'm mean, not ATI, but AMD already makes those graphics things, and and it'll be interesting to see if Apple does something on its own that takes more advantage of yeah. it. You know, I think that, you know, I think I don't, I think Apple is now that they've been writing GPUs, they may be giving you like, hey, if you want to put four GPUs and we have Apple cards I, that will. An go, afterburner like card that does yeah. that has a bunch of GPUs on it that are built to work Apple with GPUs. Metal. Yeah. German yeah, and, says and much faster. Don't expect a, lo- a larger iMac and iMac Pro this year. No, or, or a new or a new iMac. They, they, he says he's been pretty consistent that they're not going to do an, an iMac update until the M3. So it'll still be that M1 iMac either. No, the only new hardware that really is in his report is that Mac Pro that we've been waiting for. And I think, you know, there's talk that the the high-end iPhone that we currently think of as a Pro Max will be an Ultra maybe and have some extra new features and a fancy new camera. But, like, it sounds like other than the headset, it's a potentially very quiet year for new Apple hardware. The one thing that might save them, and he says this as well, because I think I would buy this, uh, and I bet it's their best-selling model, the MacBook Air, a 15-inch MacBook oh, yes. Air. That would be yeah. a hot product, I think. I, th- I think so, and I think uh, having a product that's, that's got a bigger screen that's not too grand uh, yeah. end up from yeah. there, which is what the MacBook yeah. Pro is. I, I think that yeah. would be nice. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just sorry that they're still being kind of conservative in their laptop, des- all their laptop designs. It would be nice if the MacBook Air, if they, if if Apple came out with a, a Mac with a, an iPad Pro form factor, I would be so into that as opposed to a MacBook Air, which is smaller than a MacBook Pro, not so much smaller that it would change my lifestyle. So it's it's, it's a pity that they're not really trying to push the uh, push the needle on that. Okay, we got to run. Let me run through these. Uh, they've been working on larger iPads. Don't expect them this year. There will not be new iPad minis. There will not be new iPad Airs. There will no, not be a new entry-level iPad this year. Wow. Uh, 
Wow. Uh, updates to the 11 and 13-inch iPad Pros won't come until the first half of next year. I will not. I don't anticipate an update. Major changes to Apple's watch hardware. That's fine. I just bought one. I don't want a new one. AirPods won't get updates <laughs> of note in this year. The maybe a larger HomePod. I mean, this is grim. And if it's because Apple's decided we're going to go all in, we're pushing in all the chips on a AR VR headset. I, I, I don't. It's also. I mean, I think everybody. Chips, I mean, chip shortage. Everyone's talking about. Like the economy. Like yeah. I think that if you're, you know, I think that there's. They're a lot wrong of, on like, the economy, by the way. They're wrong. The, uh, inflation's going down. Uh, I think they're. That's a. That's a mis. That's a mistake to to progress project a bad economy. Uh, I know people believe that, but if you look at the numbers, uh, unemployment's very low. Uh, inflation's going back down. I think that's a mistake if they're doing that, and it's that's that that's not the way. It. That's not the way you plan <laughs> the future anyway. You you don't say, oh yeah, you know the economy's bad. Nobody's going to buy anything. Let's not do anything this year. <laughs> that's not how you build a, a company. That's when you build a company, yeah. and a recession is when you when you start taking you know planning for the chances. future. Yeah, you take chances like, with the like AR headset. VR headset. <laughs> so, so, so I think you know I think you that, can only say so that's such that a mistake. I think, I think it's a lull. It also, in part, because they were motivated to make big changes because of the move to Apple Silicon, and so you saw the MacBook Pro changes. Yeah, and we then saw they made so the much Air last year. Yeah. Change with the M2 over the last couple of years, we've yeah. really seen that. And and there is a little bit of a lull here because then you know now they're like, okay, but we don't need a new MacBook Pro. We just did that, so they don't need to do that again. They just did the iMac, so they don't need to do that again. And there aren't that many products on the Mac line that are uh, are there. The iPad Pro is one of those where it looked like we were going to get something new, and instead they just played the same song again. So. And that's an 18-month cycle. So now we're going to wait until next year for that. So I think that that's going on. There was that report we talked about about like last week about the GPU in the latest iPhone processor actually having to revert to the old GPU cores because of a mistake. I, I keep thinking that that's maybe part of the story about the M3 might not be what we think it is and it might be based, it might skip a generation. And I wonder if that's part of this story too, is that they look at the Apple Silicon roadmap for the Mac and they've got some designs on what the next leap is going to be. And it's not now, right? Like, and maybe they're delayed a little bit, but I wonder if that's part of it too, is like step one was get everything to Apple Silicon. They're almost Mm. there with that. And then, and then they will take, you know, they'll make little pushes with M2 here and there, but really the next big step is with M3 and they're not, because of delays, I think they're not going to take a step into M3 probably until next year. And so that's, you end up with a really quiet year, which is where we are. No Mac Mini this year. Well, there is that rumor that there's a high-end Mac Mini, that they are going to do that, that there'll be an M2. I don't with, see this with on like, German's list. Yeah, I think he's didn't didn't he say that I thought he did. there was going to be a Mac Mini update along he with the He did in the past, Pro? but this is his up latest newsletter. Came out know. January that, that, 8th. I feel like I, I think they will because the Intel Mac Mini is still on the price list and they want to get it out of there. So, yeah. I think there'll be something. All right, I hope so. Uh, what a mistake they're making. Such a mistake, I think. But anyway, we'll find yeah. out. I'll, I could be completely wrong. Save this clip. We can run yep. it next year. <laughs> best, best of the year. Best of Leo, when Leo is completely wrong about the AR VR headset, because it's going to be the hottest thing ever. It is not the next iPhone. It is not even the next Apple socks. People will be lining it's, up to pay thirty five hundred dollars. No. Yeah, it's a bad economy. So let's make a product no one can afford. Uh, all right, we're going to take. I got to take a break because we got to. We're in already encroaching on uh, security now time. 
uh, I do want to requ- require you. I want to recommend. I suggest it's not a requirement. It's an optional that you take the uh, 2023 uh, survey because we'd like to know more about you. We do this once a year. It helps us sell advertising so we can tell the advertisers. We don't want to spy on you. So this way, you know, we can tell the advertisers, yeah, there's some there's some, there's some, some people with uh, with college educations listening. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you exactly how many. Go to, it doesn't matter. Just go to twit.tv slash survey23. It'll take you a few minutes. Answer what you can. It is completely optional, but it is very helpful to us. We also use it to decide, uh, you know, if we're doing the right thing in programming and so forth. It really is very valuable. It's the only time of the year we... We try to get to know you a little bit better. And we don't want to do it by imposing on your privacy. So it's completely voluntary. Twit.tv slash survey 23. Time for our picks of the week. Alex Lindsay, kick us off here. So I have one that I I picked many years ago. And I'm going to repick it because it's confusing in the app store. And it's still my favorite clock app. (laughs) So so (laughs) I am going to say what you're looking for is atomic clock. Goring, uh, gory timing. G-O-R-G-Y timing. So it's Atomic Clock. It has been around since the beginning. There's a whole bunch of people who copied it. And I think it's unfair that they copied it because it's a great, it's, it's got all the little things that we use. I use this in production. I put, I usually have a phone or an iPad and I use this one, um, this Atomic what is Clock. Gorgy? None of the what other is this Gorgy? What is that? Gorgy. Is that I think that's who kind of developed thing? it. Oh, no, okay. I think it's the, the person who developed it. Um, and and so uh, it's, it it's was developed in It's a pretty simple app. <laughs> it's a simple app. It, it shows a clock does, face, but it has all the little features that that I want. And you can, it's free, and you can you know choose to donate. I donate whatever. Like I gave them the most amount of money because I use it all the time. I use this thing all the time. This is my clock that I usually wow. have at my desk. A so, clock for the Apple Watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's ah. unique. Finally, but a cool one that actually has seconds. So, so not that I'm bitter, but I finally have a watch face that does seconds the way I want it because all I wanted was to get something that would do watch a watch face that did exactly the same thing as this app did. So, so it's really, really good. Um, again, it's it's on the watch, but it, I use it on the iPhone, on the iPad. Um, you know, you can put it on there and put it up there. It it'll let you um, do a couple, a lot of changes of how the seconds are displayed. So if you're in production, this is the production app for your iOS. Like that's all I'm saying is that that it is the production version of Atomic Clock. It'll recheck with whatever server and it'll give it to you. Um, but we use we've been using it for over a decade, and I get frustrated because when I go to the store, I can't, I can never find it because I have to. There's a whole bunch of other Atomic Clocks that came afterwards. And, you know, the heck with those guys. <laughs> you know, like this, this, this one is the, they should have picked another name. Can I, can this I, is the right one. It's not really atomic, though. It, it checks the, it does do a check or whatever. But the point is, is that, it, I mean, they're all accurate. It's the display that I care about. You know, like yeah. the display and being able to control how so I not, do it. It's not saying it's more accurate than any other clock, including they're your all, iPhone. They're all accurate. They're all it does something that, I don't know if it, it, just, I, it does do say something that's checking the server. I don't know if it is or not. I yeah. don't really care. It's just that when I put it up and I display it, it in in it's a John it's a BBC John Slanina, Jammer B says he's been using it for years. He likes it. Too. Yeah, it, and yeah. and and I, and the only reason I bring it up as a as a as a as one is because I I find every time I install it again on a new phone, I go, why are there so many? And I can't even find it on the list. So you're looking for the the Gorgy G O R G Y timing is the right one to get. And we from CompuLab, Marcus Gormel, the classic. Yeah, Par excellence. <laughs> Although yeah. it is not free anymore. It's a dollar ninety nine. Oh, it's a dollar. It's worth every penny. 
Yeah, I mean, two bucks. Come on. If I paid it for, if I paid for, if I paid twenty bucks for it, I'd still be paying, yeah. you know, a penny a, a month for for how much I use it. So. I want to throw in uh, a, a recommendation that came from one of our uh, listeners, the great Evan Katz, who's a regular uh, correspondent with us. He's even been in here. In fact, I think when we moved, didn't Evan come in and help us wire the studio in our uh, in our new brick house? He's a really nice guy, and we he heard us talking last week about weather uh, apps. And he said, there's one I'm using you didn't mention that's really good. And I started using it. It has a very nice widget, a lot of details. I, it's not using dark skies, but it's a lot more like dark skies. It's got the weather forecasting, uh, you know, maps and all that. It's F-O-R-E-C-A. Forca. Forecast without the st. And uh, very customizable. Uh, Evan gave us a great recommendation. And it's got all the, you know, it's got all the... Uh, the, the weather map stuff that you, you, you like to see as we see the rain moving in and all that. So he said, you know, this is for me the dark sky replacement, especially because it's so customizable and how it looks. And it has a it has a really nice uh, widget, which I use. You have a variety of choices um, on your front page. So I'm going to throw that in, F-O-R-E-C-A. Uh, there's a free version, but to get rid of the ads, you might want to pay a couple of bucks. I did. I don't want to see ads. Um but I think they did a very nice job. So thank you, Evan, for that recommendation. Andy Inako, your pick of the week. Uh, quick pick is a book that I came across a couple weeks ago that I'm really enjoying called Algorithms to Live Algorithms to Live By, The Computer Science of Human Decisions by Brian Christian and Tom Griffiths. Uh, it's not really a self-help book. It's more of a here's how here's a way of looking at how brains work. Uh, it is written by sociolo- sociologists, computer scientists, uh, scientists, basically talking about uh very, very uh, concepts of, of computer engineering and software engineering that might have an application and relevance to how you think about how you make decisions, how you go through life. Again, it's not a self-help book. It's not, it's not giving you tips or anything. Uh, and really, it's only for people who are nerds to begin with. Uh, for instance, there's a chapter on sorting. Like, Here's how sorting algorithms work. And part of it being trying to make the point that it's not just that it sorts a large number, num- large amount of numbers. It's how much work is being consumed uh, by uh, sorting this list of things. And so the relevance to your life is that, okay, well, if you've got a uh, hundred variables to, to, uh, to juggle, maybe the idea of deciding which one is most important is, uh, is, uh, undermined by the fact that you've got so many variables. The amount of work you're putting into making this decision uh, is not, uh, is, uh, is much, much greater than the, the benefit of, of picking one thing to do that. Uh, and then uh, the next chapter is about caching, uh, and it kind of contradicts the idea of putting things in order, which is, uh, the idea that, uh, it's not necessarily you want to put things in a hierarchical order, sometimes the last thing you use needs to be the handiest because it's probably the next thing you're going to use. So the example they use is that maybe the, that the person that the, the person who basically just like drops when they when they get undressed at the end of the day, just drops their pants like on the, in the middle of the bedroom in the middle of the bedroom floor. Uh, maybe they're not being a slob just because they know they're going to have they're going to put their pants on again in the morning. So it's just right there where they're going to need it. So maybe actually organizing it and putting it and putting it in the closet is actually the least efficient way of doing things so it's it's really an interesting read it brings me it brought me right back to uh, my first year as a freshman computer science student reminding myself of different algorithms i haven't really played with certainly uh, but also again it's not full of advice but i, I find myself thinking sometimes in the past couple of weeks think you know what maybe i am putting too many variables into this decision if i were to if i were to simply throw out all but the top four and then work on these four variables perhaps i'd get a better result than i would, would be getting otherwise so very, very interesting. This would be a good one for Apple to uh, have the AI 
reader read it because I don't think there's an audio book version. <laughs> yes. It would be very nice. Actually, there is. is read, there? By, read by the author. Yep, oh. it's on Audible. Okay. It's, uh, I don't see it on the Apple store. All right. Nice. <laughs> I wonder why. Al- <laughs> Algorithms to live by the computer science of human decisions. Brian Christian. I will definitely read it. Although I worry because I, as somebody who uses algorithms in actual coding, I get nervous <laughs> when I see those applic- those very specific things applied to kind of more soft things. Oh, like exactly. <laughs> no, that's what that's 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 why that's why I'm recommending. I don't want to do a bubble about, sort so, in my mind. I really don't. And, and so therefore, and so therefore, that's why when when you're when you're when you're lo- when you're looking when you're picking up picking up people at, the, at a singles bar, use the heap sort algorithm yeah, no, based on no, the variables. Yeah, yeah. It's basically like here's here's the way the brain works. Here's here's things that things that might uh, might be a good thing to think about in the ways that computers work. As somebody who all my life has thought of my brain as my, my my consciousness is not inside my brain. My brain is this computer that doesn't right. work properly. Right. I have to keep making hacks to make it work properly. It was it was a very entertaining read, and in some places a very very uh, illuminating read. Corey Doctorow says it's good. I'm gonna read it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> if Andy and Corey recommend a book, that's that's it. <laughs> and I do thank you, by the way, for the book on the Rosetta Stone. That's really it's amazing. Great. It's yeah. really been good reading. Uh, Mr. Jason Snell has a pick. I bet. I do. I'm going to recommend, okay, so since I started using computers, everybody always says, hey, you could store your recipes on that computer. (laughs) And I have been using recipe apps and discarding them since uh, there was one called Manja that was basically a hypercard stack that Steve Upstill wrote back in the 90s that I used for a while. Uh, all Use I have left Chef, of Manja Master Cook probably yeah. are the printed ones out. I have got though for the last year plus, I have stuck with one and I use it and I love it. And it's called Mela, M E L A. It's by Silvio Rizzi, who also does the excellent Reader RSS Reader. It's available on Mac and iOS, including iPad OS. It has iCloud Sync for all your recipes, so they go in all the right places. It supports RSS, so if there's a recipe blog you like, it will actually let you subscribe and add those all in. And it has a very smart parser. You can open, it's got an in-app browser. If you go to any page that's got a recipe on it, and you know what I'm talking about, there's like 2,000 words telling the life story of the person (laughs) who just wants to give you the recipe. And it, it has that in one window, and the window next to it, in the little pane next to it, it shows you its import of the actual details of the recipe. Oh, and cool. you can, with one tap, you import it into your library. It, you can add photos, you can edit all the items, but the parser is really, really good. And then it all syncs, and you can share it with other people with uh, via their Apple ID. So, like, my wife and I are on the same shared Mela uh, uh, account and library so that we can add our items in. Um, it's $5 in a purchase, I believe, for the whole thing, and you can try it for free. It is the one for me. I really have finally found a recipe uh, database that I actually use, and I put my iPad in the kitchen. I was just doing this last night. Put my iPad in the kitchen, follow the rules, you end up with dinner at the end of it. It was great. Now, can I ask you uh, a question? Yes. I, I use Paprika, and I've used it for years. It's fully cross-platform, and I have it everywhere, including the web. Can, is, but you should probably you used, stay using have that. You used paprika? This is, a, this is an uh, yeah, yeah, and it's fine. It's I, I, I think it's nice. I uh, something about Mela, it's beautiful, like really nice interface. But it is also an iPad and Mac app. So if you want a web app or an Android app or something, uh, I yeah. don't think Silvio Rizzi can help you yeah. with that. It does the same kind of import, which I do all the time because I often yeah. see uh, recipes online. 
It's actually, I want to actually, I'm looking at the Mela site. I want to make this uh, chili sin carne that he's got on the page. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I so might actually finally, just steal this recipe from him. <laughs> 40 years later, the promise of early personal computers has finally been realized. Finally. Yes, recipe apps are good enough. You could actually oh, use I use them all the time. And yeah. how hard and easy it is to put it in. You can put your own in and take yeah, pictures. Well, and, or... Yeah, well, it'll let you take a picture and, and scan it in and basically pop it in there, which is oh, also amazing, nice. right? Like, a, a, as well as being really smart about reading the um, the web pages and getting them into the right format. That's the for me. That's one of the killer features yeah. is the fact that it's so easy to get things into it. Um, yeah. And and once you because I do that a lot of that like everybody does, right? It's the geez, I want to make instant pot risotto. What's a recipe for that? And you search for it, and there's a million of them. But I want to grab the one that looks pretty good and just have it in there for reference forever. And this makes me makes it easy for me to do that. I mean, my my family pretty much makes almost everything from scratch at this point. I mean, all of us cook. It's and, so and, nice to and cook. It's, yeah. And having a shared one, I'm really interested in the idea that we just keep the recipes that we use all the time. Good idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. In, in one, one thing. I've been trying to figure out what that is, and, and Jason just solved it for me. So. Mela. <laughs> Mela. Mela, which means it's short for eggplant. I don't know what it Again? is. There's also a synthesizer when I was searching for it. It's all the same thing. So. Mela. I, I got that too. Jason Snell, sixcolors.com, the incomparable. Go to sixcolors.com slash Jason to find out everything you ever want to know about this yep. cat right here. Ladies Many podcasts. And and podcasts. Many written articles. He's a busy, and busy stuff. guy. But I'm so glad you take the time to be with us every Tuesday. I really appreciate it. Uh, happy to be here. Stay dry. I'll try. Yikes. I'm under a roof as long as there are no leaks. I'll yeah, but be you're okay. in a garage. That's the first thing, the floods. I, I did have to mute. Our, uh, our, our microphone hail. here. You had hail. Because there was a... <laughs> I was like, what is that sound? And it was hail. Yeah, it was hail. A lot of we, got it. we got it earlier today. Loud. Yikes. That's uh, Alex Lindsay. He also is in Marin County. We got two people from Marin County on this show. 090.media is his day job. His early morning hours, officehours.global. You should definitely go to officehours.global to check out what's going on there's a youtube channel but you can also participate in the zoom and ask questions and all of that and all of that's available there's lots of people Global. i think we have somewhere between 150 and 200 monthly volunteers right now working on oh everything God. so there's a chance of like learning how king, to do this by doing it you're the king of volunteerism you know <laughs> how to get people to work for you for nothing well i'm not making any money like, if I, if yeah, I, no I, that's I, fair i'm not saying you're, you're, you're like, using like, them. the key yeah. is i'm volunteering they're too. participating yeah but people, good. well, people are people are learning. Um, yeah, you, know, no, you just have to know what the value is. You're getting people to do stuff with you. John Ashley. I, you worked for him, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. You're really I good at John, getting people way, to learn. Reference. Oh, you paid him. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> yeah, he was, a, he was an employee. Yeah, so, so it was <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, I'm yeah, not so. paying him anymore, so it's fair. You know, it's, it's no, I am. <laughs> no, you know, the the main thing is, is that I, you know, I I learned by doing. Like, I walked into a radio station yes, exactly. and said, "I don't, I no, love this," and. And yeah. so that's why we built it as a 501c3. And that's why we did all yeah. this so people could volunteer. And so that people have the opportunity. What I'm trying to do is provide the opportunity without feeling like you have to go to, like, how do you get work, work training? How do you get work opportunity? If, if no one, you know, it's just, it's just hard to get into the industry it's, because it's great. Yep. You got to find somewhere. So we're trying to provide both answering people's questions, but there's an opportunity to, to actually learn how all this stuff works and meet other people. And, you know, that's a lot, lot to it. So nice. yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, Andy and Akko, you're going to be on GBH when? A uh, little day early. I'm on Thursday at uh, 1230. Uh, tune in to WGBHnews.org to stream it live or later. And I, I just want to say... 
that the flesh tones coming out of your Macintosh camera are very, very good today. <laughs> very good. I, I also have I also have my lights like I think the lights so make a difference. It's, yeah. it's it's amazing. Yeah, again, uh, to, 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 I'm, I had to re, I had to rebuild my office after we're doing some construction in here, and this is like thrown together. And I'm always I'm always shocked by the fact that oh my god, I'm, I'm panicking trying to get everything together. It actually looks better than the times where I spent like all afternoon getting things just so. And that nice. calls me nice every time. Security Now is coming up next on our live stream. Don't forget, club members, we've got a bunch of events coming up, including Stacy's Book Club on Thursday, Project Hail Mary. Uh, and Lisa and I are going to do an inside tweet a week from Thursday on the 19th, plus a Win2 Dow fireside chat with the host of All About Android. So some good stuff coming up, club members. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes this thrilling, gripping edition of Mac Break Weekly on the anniversary <laughs> of Safari <laughs> and Keynote on the iPhone. Uh, we do this show every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1900 UTC. You can watch a stream at live.twit.tv. There's audio and video there, so I guess you could listen as well. irc.twit.tv to chat or chat with us if you're a club member in the Club Twit Discord. After the fact, on-demand shows available at twit.tv slash mbw. Uh, you can also find the YouTube channel. We have YouTube channels for most of our shows. If you go to the main channel, youtube.com slash twit, there's links there to all the other sub channels, and also little twit bits there on the short on the short little things on the on the official twit channel. So that's a good thing to bookmark. As the kids say, ring the bell, subscribe the button, do whatever the thing is that you do. <laughs> and then, actually, the best way to subscribe really is to get a podcast player and subscribe to our feed. That way, you'll get it automatically the minute it comes out, and you don't ever have to think about it again. You just listen whenever you feel like it. Thanks for being here, everybody. Get back to work though, because break time is over. Bye-bye. Hey, we should talk Linux. It's the operating system that runs the internet, but your game consoles, cell phones, and maybe even the machine on your desk. But you already knew all that. What you may not know is that TwitNow is a show dedicated to it, the Untitled Linux Show. Whether you're a Linux pro, a burgeoning sysadmin, or just curious what the big deal is, you should join us on the Club Twit Discord every Saturday afternoon for news, analysis, and tips to sharpen your Linux skills. And then make sure you subscribe to the Club Twit exclusive Untitled Linux Show. Wait, you're not a Club Twit member yet? Well, go to twit.tv slash club twit and sign up. Hope to see you there.